0: Listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and
1: Jeff Hughes. What a busters didn't know what happened to them there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully
2: Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down home cheating. Good down, good down home cheating, sure.
3: Welcome back to another week and a new year of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession
2: podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. Yeah, apparently we are going to enter the year of the Wooden Dragon. (laughs) The Wooden Dragon? Yeah, I didn't even know that the uh, Eastern Zodiac had these five elements. Yeah, so every uh, animal has uh, an element phase they go through, and this is the wood. Right. The wood dragon, like Ricky Steamboat, hurting his knees fighting those ninjas on his uh, (laughs) vignettes. Is this supposed to symbolize something, like
3: wood versus, uh, I'm assuming, the water, or what are
2: the other ones? (laughs) You've also got, correct, water, fire, earth, and uh, probably air. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but get your buzzer ready. <laughs> <laughs> Sharpen your buzzers. <laughs> so anyway, yes, indeed, we're. Uh, I've had some fun at New Year's uh, Chinese New Year's parties. That okay. you know they take place in the dark, deep part of February. You know, winter here in yeah, Winnipeg, right. like mid-February, where there's just or, or or you know anyway when when there's not a lot of fun happening, <laughs> so you get to go out and have some Chinese food, and everybody you know has a colorful celebrations with maybe the. the Lion or dragon. The lion dance actually is, you know, it looks like a dragon, but that's right. Yes. Those are cool. And maybe some kung fu displays. I've had some, yeah, I've had some fun in the past. It's been a while since I had celebrated a Chinese New Year, but maybe I'll get out there for the wooden dragon.
3: (laughs) Wooden dragon. (laughs) Throw some stiff chops. (laughs) So we hope you enjoyed Christmas, the holidays, all those things, New Year's Eve. We hope you uh, listened to our previous episode, the movie review of the Iron Claw. And Jeff, what uh, you know? How's the new year been for you so far? We haven't seen each other too much since uh, since we went to see the movie.
2: Yeah. Well, I was uh, maybe gonna join you on New Year's Eve. What was that? what night of the week was that? That was a Sunday night. Sunday right. night was New Year's Eve. Yeah. But I'd seen you on Friday for, <laughs> with, for uh, was that the recording? That's right. And and the, mo- and yeah, the we movie. the movie. Yeah. I'd seen you on Saturday because we went to the planetarium. That's right. So I was like Sunday for New Year's Eve. Ah, I passed. All, all no. drapered out. Yeah, I was all drapered out. I was like, nope, I'm going to go to somewhere else. But then I made the wrong call. Corey sent me a picture of this really cool-looking board game and this uh, amazing stories or something. And uh, I missed out on Nerdtown. Um, I mean, you know, with uh, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I just had a couple of buddies
3: over our good friend Rob Borges who helped us out when we were first starting this podcast because he knows a heck of a lot more
2: about technology
3: and all this stuff that we do. And he even edits a couple of podcasts. On the side is a little job for himself, extra money. And yeah, he has this uh, really neat, uh, he should have seen the carrying cases. He brought over like 30 board games. I mean, we only played one, but I mean, he was he was a traveling store. Wow. Uh, and they were like these zip <laughs> up cases. Like they look like, I don't know, something out of, I don't know, like an Uber Eats or something, delivery driver, like the zip up containers. Like, really? And, yeah. And our, my other friend, Jock, who I don't get to see a lot of the last, you know, five, 10 years, uh, he, he came as well because his family happened to be out of town visiting other families. So he was free for the night. And we were initially going to watch a movie and then play some board games but Candice decided to turn it in early. She wasn't feeling the greatest, so uh, board
2: game started earlier. <laughs> uh, so really, I didn't. Uh, I haven't seen this full decked out, gorgeous with all his luggage. You yeah, that's know? right. Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of this uh, sketch where this guy he's at the train station. He's saying goodbye to his, his sweetheart, and the uh, inspector, the ticket taker, is, is like standing there watching with a dull look on his face as this guy gives his sweetheart a kiss. And he puts on a backpack and uh, then he puts on a satchel over his shoulder, two or three of those. Yeah. And then uh, he picks up a, a couple of other parcels and suitcases. And then uh, after picking up like eight things, the ticket, ticket goes, ticket. <laughs> and the guy puts down every single piece to go through his pockets.
3: Yeah. So, just a little background on this board game. Um, back around the time that the Star Wars movie Attack of the Clones came out, our good mutual friend Matt Kippen had bought me this board game called Star Wars Epic Duels, and it was a really neat board game that had decks of cards and little figurines and these little, like, couple... There was four, four, four maps, let's call them, two yeah. two boards. There was with, a die, on each side. but it wasn't a regular die. Yeah, it was, like a, it was a movement die. Like, you kind of rolled it... Yeah, you yeah, rolled it at the beginning of the round. Yeah. Sided, but... Uh, Specialized. Special, yeah. It had special things on it. It wasn't just a regular die. Anyways, these these cards have like attack and defend values and special abilities and it was really fun and, and it, you know, it featured a lot of the characters from that movie like Count Dooku and all this stuff and then I got so into it that I had investigated like people had made their own, you know, special decks and I downloaded those and went to like a, you know, a commercial store and got them to properly print on cardstock, you know, these extra cards for me. And I went to like, I went to several different comic book stores and found figures from like other games that like were the right size that looked cool, like even better than the ones that came with the uh, the game itself.
2: Yeah. Little hero click size. That
3: yeah, exactly. To our and then I even Listeners. did, you know, I even made some of my own decks, you know, They're and great. and yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. So the reason I'm talking about that board game is that years later, uh, Rob is friends with somebody down in the United States. I can't remember where he lives. And Rob goes to see him like every year. And this gentleman has his own board game company. This friend acquired the license, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, to reproduce this game, Epic Duels, but he didn't want to use the Star Wars characters because of the license fees and things like that, so he used, I guess, I forget the terminology for this, but characters that are free domain so he used and i think you've seen the original ones that we had so stuff like you know the invisible man dr jekyll and mr hyde and and characters like that and that was the original game that was put out basically using the same gameplay the same format the same idea made a couple of changes he simplified the game a little bit to avoid some of the the types of little arguments we used to get into when we would play these games <laughs> right. yeah, <I> remember <laughs> and them. um and then yeah over time rob got more of these you know expansion sets and there was bruce lee and bigfoot and you know, different ones and eventually now i think the guy's doing so well with it that he does have things like marvel characters and stuff like that but this particular game was that we played and the whole series i guess it's called unmatched adventures sort of instead of epic duels and this one was sort of based around like b-movie style idea like the whole thing and it had this cooperative play element to it so you could play it different ways but the way we played it was the three of us against the game and there's two main parts to this game that you could play, two basically villains that you could tackle. So there's Martian Invasion, which we did not play. So I don't really know what that looks like. But the other one was this Mothman and Minions. And so he had the Blob and he had this giant tarantula. This is the, the villains. And he had the Jersey Devil, which I don't know a lot about, but I know it was like sort of a thing. You know, there's a lore out sure. there, the Jersey Devil. And, and that one was like... Really neat, because it was very dangerous. You couldn't end in the same zone as this Jersey Devil or all these bad things that happened to you at the end of each round. I have a picture
2: of the Jersey Devil. Oh, neat. Yes, yeah. I do.
3: Yeah, there's an image, of course, of uh, of some kind of monster on the front of this box. and
2: Well, mine comes from a very... It's a silly picture in a silly book yeah, that yeah, I've yeah, had yeah. since I was 10. It's called No Power. and okay. it's, Yeah, it's just this book that's got about... I guess about 500 words or 400 words on various topics, you know, when, and, and right. uh, it's for kids, but the Jersey Devil looks pretty silly. But I mean, I knew of the Jersey Devil. Uh, at, at around eleven or twelve years I old, I definitely
3: heard of it before. I forgot. I, I couldn't put the context of like what what lore is this, or what you know, what book or movie is this from. But I, I knew I'd heard of it.
2: <laughs> well, we're then there's the obvious, the New Jersey Devils in the NHL, yeah, and the uh, I don't know. Corey knows a lot about the hockey lore of this town and other towns as well. But that's an homage to this mythic creature no, the new neat. jersey yeah, devil. That's cool. So yeah, the New Jersey Devils in this book the game. That's really yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. I won't get into all the rules and details and all
3: that, but the characters What's we were British playing move? It didn't really have one, but basically it's main thing. Well, you know, it had the cards like anything else and it could attack you, but maybe this guy
2: could do our classic wrestlers.
3: Yeah. The one neat thing that I think you would have liked is that the way the initiative worked was that there's like a little deck of cards, basically like player one, two, three, four, and then a card for each of these characters. And basically every round you you one at a time flip over these cards to see what order people are going in, you know? So like Ah. the bad guys might go three in a row or, you know, you might, for some reason, I I kept going last <laughs> i was wow. always having to wait till the end okay and uh so it's kind of neat but the hero characters we were playing so jock was nikola tesla and <laughs> he had these coils he could charge up and you know like <laughs> ghostbuster gun and <laughs> oh, that's awesome <laughs> yeah it was pretty fun and i was like something i'd never heard of which is the golden bat which is like this japanese superhero character which at only looking at it for about a minute online, is purported to be basically the first ever superhero, like the you know the the first you know incarnation of a you know this made up superpower. Kind of looks like Ghost Rider because it's got like the the skull and like leather like almost suit and fly with a sword. And I didn't quite get it all. Super strength card, you know. I don't know too much more about it. I want to pretend like I know more than I
2: do, but uh, wow, the Golden Bat. Well, I I um would just offer that. The Incredible Hulk is based largely on the... The Strange case of Dr. Jekyll yeah, and yeah. Mr. Hyde because you know, in both, you've got a scientist in right. whom this, you know, powerful transfer, beast. yeah, <laughs> exactly. transformation and yeah, and the beast, yeah, exactly. I mean, actually, as it goes in the book, they he's much more like he shrinks into a Wolverine tough guy, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, squat, yeah. vicious, strong, yeah, brute, right, yeah. you know, whereas like maybe that Dr. Jekyll's just a normal looking guy of right. average height, yes, and he shrinks into this thuggish. Uh, when I say Wolverine only because he's short yeah like this, height, yes. yeah this guy becomes like uh, let's see Putzky or yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> or so, anyway a real brute who's yeah, also right. like vicious and homicidal yeah. and careless yeah. uh, heartless anyway so however uh, certainly there wasn't any costume involved, you know, like, and so right. if the golden bat put on this costume to fight crime, then that is a different than the, uh, Ms. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde story. Right. Yeah, but, but like sure. the Hulk can trace his, you know, lineage to that really? anyway. Yeah, that's good.
3: Yes, yeah, so it, uh, it was a, it was fun time. We played this game and, uh, like I said- and, and
2: also just the idea of two identities in one person. Dr. Right. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, he was both, yeah, you know, so like the the Hulk was the, is the direct literal allusion to Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde, right. but every superhero had who had two identities,
3: which most of them do. <laughs>
2: exactly. there you can you can point a little bit to uh, Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde because he was uh, one guy who had two identities,
3: yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we had fun with that. I think, you know, because it was the first time playing. Like, you got the the new board feel. Like, we got to, like, poke the tokens out, you know, like, out of the, you know, like, it was, Rob had never played it. It was Uh was our first time playing it.
2: Rub it in, why don't you?
3: (laughs) Oh, jeez. But, so, I don't think we really, maybe it wasn't the best version of playing it because we didn't know how we, we didn't know how to play. But well, all I can
2: know. say is that the other party I went to board games were promised promises were made <laughs> yeah. of board games and board games did not manifest. Certainly not popping, you know, yeah, I, the think I was tokens. expecting
3: a uh, picture back from you of like, you're playing that I'm playing this. And then no, yeah, nope, no picture back. <laughs> no, no picture. Grump.
2: <laughs> So yeah, that was New Year's.
3: It, uh, it, at my age, there's no more big parties or any of that stuff and just get cold to bed and, and uh, if you're lucky, get to hang out with some friends. So yeah, that was it.
2: But one good thing did happen. Over Christmas, somebody I went to school with, a college in my 30s, she just posted on Facebook, hey, who would like to have uh, a Christmas card? And I responded, it finally came. Oh, nice! Yeah, and she just happens to be a, a, a lovely lady who is closer to my age. <laughs> yeah. um, the she has said, "Hey, let's uh, let's go for coffee." Trouble is, she's three thousand kilometers away. There you go. Yes, virtual coffee. So, uh, well, I, I don't, I'm not that bold. I'm not, <laughs> but I might ask her on a virtual coffee because if I'm not going to go to Vancouver for the next three years, I, you know, anyway. The point is, I got the card, and that was great. Yeah, so that was a little highlight, and it showed up. <laughs> I got to find a reason to go to Vancouver. There you go.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, one thing I wanted to circle back to is our, you know, review of The Iron Claw, because as much as it was fresh in our mind and we came straight from the theater and recorded the episode, afterwards, I was kind of, even the next day, I was like, Still, kind of the wheels were spinning, you know. There was, I think, I was still kind of like the movie yeah. was still hitting me, and I was thinking things that I hadn't thought that day. And sure, and and then of course, editing the show made me realize like oh, I didn't say this, I didn't say that, <laughs> right? So before I blab on, did you, any other further maybe thoughts or?
2: Well, you go first. Since okay, you're yeah. ready to you know fire on this. I didn't even know we were going to come back to the Iron Claw. Yeah,
3: I just wanted to, the one thing I think that we that the movie did not capture as well as it could have, was the Von Erich entrance. Like, especially at the Sportatorium. Like, I can remember the pictures in the magazines and a little bit of footage we would see here and there of, like, the boys being mauled by the women (laughs) on their way to the ring. And even, like, with the Sportatorium, they would let the fans come up right to, like, right up to the apron and basically get, like, autographs before matches would start. And... The way it's depicted in the movie, it doesn't really look like the sportatorium. It looks like the venue that they wrestle a lot in, which I think is supposed to be the sportatorium. It looks like a different venue, like the, the a more proper you know, aisle that's wider and more secured and the fans aren't like on top of them. So I think that's one thing is that they didn't really like maybe capitalize on the idea of like how popular these guys were and how and Yeah, you
2: know, they they kinda rushed that. The Von Air sure, <laughs> said Right. Yeah, I know. Uh these all these beautiful young women grabbing and making out with the Von Ericks, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. just crazy. It's like even further than, uh, than the rock, you know, the rock and roll express, you know, lips do not meet lips. You that's know? right. But yeah. 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 For sure. I, I've seen Carrie Von Eric's like, Oh yeah, I'll guess this one, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so you're right. I agree. There could have been a lot more joy. I mean, certainly very strange cho- uh, choice to, um, the way to handle the way they did. Carrie's victory over Ric Flair. Yeah. I
3: I think maybe the director or whatever writer was thinking that showing that the way they did sort of represented like this wasn't as important as we made it out to be. Like this wasn't, you know, with this whole, the whole point of this family and the wrestling organization, the be all end all is to get this belt. But because of the what it took to get there and what happened before they even got the belt, it kind of was like this hollow moment for them in real life, I guess. Where, but when you watch the footage, like I just saw clips of it recently, you know, they're in the, like the brothers are in the ring, like mauling Carry like when he wins, like, you know, like it and is, it's, yeah. it's, you I'm- know, it's like Crazy. the happiest moment you could have. Like, yeah. And why you know, did you,
2: why? That, I wish they hadn't deprived us of that joy and the joy of those fans, you know, the brothers yeah. and the fans who were in the building. Yeah. And like, we, you know, get a lot of enjoyment out of watching it on TV all these years later. You That's know? right. It's yeah. It's really iconic. It's, it's, Certainly one of the greatest moments in professional wrestling, all the brothers getting in there to celebrate with Kerry when he wins the big belt. That's right, yeah. so strange that they showed it, the mom watching it in a farmhouse alone with the ghost of her son in the background. Yeah. Ooh.
3: Yes, exactly. And even Fritz, they made it look like he was in the sort of the backstage area, not really like just kind of sullen, you know, not really.
2: Yeah, and then, and then you know, the, you see the belt at night, unglamorous in the dark, no celebration. And then Cary rides off to meet his fate. Which in reality happens two years later. Yeah.
3: (laughs) But so one thing is I I went back and I listened to some of the other reviews that people put out that I listened to because I had avoided those before I went to the movie and reminding myself of some of the stuff I'd forgotten (laughs) that I knew about Cary Vaughn. It was like, unfortunately, leading up to the time of his passing, there was a lot of crappy stuff going on in his life of his own fault, but he was set to go to jail the next day. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So he added, I think there's a couple of things. I think there was uh, something to do with drugs obviously and there was another one too. I can't remember if it was like money forgery or something. I, there was something bad oh, and he was going man. through di- and he was going through his divorce, which they left all that out. They left out his, his, you know, his wife and his family. His daughter Lacey Von Erich, she did some wrestling and I think even had a cup of coffee with the WWE or whatever. And so they kind of left out some of the things. It wasn't just, "Hey, I lost. I've lost my brothers. I've lost my basically my foot." it was compounded by all these other problems he had. So that was something that I think, like, you know, they kind of chose to, again, not to really pile on, but it would have made him seem a bit more, you know, desperate, like, you know, why? I think someone who doesn't know any of this stuff would watch that movie and be like, well, why? And you you can't put yourself in somebody else's shoes if if you're not at that mindset. You can never imagine doing what he did. So you know it's difficult.
2: Well, I'm more interested now in some of this old WCCW, like Bruiser Absolutely. Brody. I yeah. want to go back and watch the Bruiser Bro and you know fighting with the Von Ericks or against yeah. Ric Flair. You know, like headlining the card, Bruiser Brody versus Ric Flair in yeah. Texas. Yeah. And like so looks like he set up shop there for a little while. He was yeah, in the he movie. There, yeah, for sure. I checked. I was watching the spoiler now because uh, I just, you know, I actually, I guess we had a little time off over the holidays. So suddenly I was watching wrestling out of interest again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> instead of research of for the show. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like there really was top level. And I mean, when they call it world class, it was like that stuff is as good as anything, you know, having, you know, Bruiser Brody and the Von Erich clan, you know, they were with the heat that they could generate and the excitement from the crowd. That was as as good as wrestling gets. All right.
3: To close the loop on this for now, uh, I did have to go because I wanted to. I went back a couple of weeks and I went and found the episode that Kevin Von Erich's sons appeared and wrestled on uh, AEW Ramp- uh, yeah, Rampage, which is their Friday show. And they were in a six-man tag, and uh, y- your guy, Orange Cassidy, was tagging with them, so that was kind of neat. Nice. Yep, and they wrestled three guys that used to be in a faction with Jericho. So uh, these, these t- this tag team, they were kind of called 2.0 at one point, and then they changed their name to, I'm forgetting their names now, but it's not important. The other guy was Jake Hager, which used to be Jack Swagger in the WWE. He was like a... He was a world champion and big wrestler guy and Yeah. So anyway, so they, they you know, they so I, I didn't have time to watch the whole match. <laughs> I just wanted to take in the intro and the end. And so I sort of fast forwarded through the match. But I mean Where were they
2: wrestling? In Dallas. Ah.
3: Yeah, yeah. It was pretty amazing, you know, and the signs in the crowd and, and the music hit stranglehold. Uh, which is the, which? It plays in the Iron, you know, in the movie Iron Claw. You actually hear that music, right? Uh, and uh, so, I'm, I'm sure at some point, one of the one of the Von Erich boys, whether it was Kevin or who it was, used that music. So, ah, Dazed so and was,
2: Confused, right?
3: That's right, Dazed and Confused. That's exact. <laughs> and then when I was watching Iron Claw and saw that scene, it reminded me of the sort of the you know the community center pool hall scene where they you know they're playing foosball or whatever, and Dazed and Confused because that song you know is in that part of the movie, and uh, and it kind of that flashback to sort of. You know, instead of 70s, it's 80s, but the you know, same idea, right? Like this nostalgia of watching that scene. But yeah, seeing seen those boys come out and one of them, one of them wrestles barefoot like his dad. And uh, I'd seen pictures of them. I kind of had an idea what they look like. And they're certainly looked apart and, uh, you know, they, they wrestle like modern day wrestlers and stuff and they can do all their stuff and kind of skip to the end. And the heroes win, but the bad guys immediately, you know, kind of get the better of them and are beating them up afterwards. And then the music hits again and Papa comes out (laughs) (laughs) and Kevin comes to the ring and very quickly the good guys are back up on their feet and beat up all the bad guys. And Orange Cassidy hits what he calls the orange punch, which is like a Superman punch yep. on Jake Hager, which sets him up perfectly for Kevin to come in the ring and stick the iron claw on him. Nice. And, uh, yeah. And it was, yeah, it was really, it was really neat. It was really cool. Kevin's in really good shape and he looks really good for his age and stuff. But you can also see in this moment that like maybe he doesn't have the best stability, maybe his knees or his hips or something. Cause there was a point where he almost fell over, you know, just from kind of moving the wrong way kind of thing. So, right. but uh, still pretty impressive a lot of guys that you know his age from that time you know most of them don't look like he does so yeah so so that was that was fun and definitely you know gave me a little bit of chills like you know (laughs) um watching that and and hopefully there's more of that for them and you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of joy to be had in modern wrestling for me but that was one that was that was a good one right
2: on We don't want to say goodbye to 1987, and we're, no. not, and we're not going to. No. As a matter of fact, I have a proposal. we got to go cover the UWF of 1986. That's right. That's yeah. where we're going back. Marty, Your kids. Wait, that's in forward. That's the future. That's right, yeah. Anyway.
3: I, I get what you're saying. So we were looking to put together, you know, a couple of setup shows of the what's left of March, April, getting to that very beginning of May to get us to Saturday's main event number eleven, the big one after WrestleMania three. But as we're looking at the material all of a sudden I said, Whoa, hold on, slow Whoa, down. Here. Whoa, Bobby. Whoa. <laughs> slow down. Bobby Because there's two things that I noticed right away in mid-March. So one thing I found is that our beloved Spectrum Wrestling, there's not as many of those cards out there as I thought there were, you know? So there's not a never-ending abundance of, like, these full two-and-a-half, three-hour files with all the Cal Rudman goodness. So when I came across one, you know, I don't want to skip over it. So we're going to, of course, touch on a bunch of stuff that happened on that particular evening. And then the very next night, the WWF traveled to Toronto to Maple Leaf Gardens. And there is a frickin' tag team tournament, their own version of the Crockett Cup.
2: As Robert Gibson would say, double your pleasure. That's right. It's tag team mania. Oh boy, oh boy, oh yeah, it's boy. It's to
3: be the Frank Tunney Sr. Memorial Tag Team Tournament. Up in Canada, and it's really neat. There's eight teams, so it's not a 24-team tournament. We're not uh, bringing in everyone from around the world, but we're certainly putting a lot of cool teams on display, and so there's going to be some interesting matchups. Often what I find with tournaments is it's an opportunity for them to
2: kind of break the rules a little bit and, you know, heel versus heel,
3: babyface versus babyface.
2: Right. Although babyface versus babyface, there'll be no rule-breaking at all. (laughs) They get mad eventually and hit each other. (laughs) Yeah, 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 sure. Sure. But my pun was, too clever for you, Draper.
3: That's right. right. Okay, so before we dig into that, let's take a quick look at a March 14th syndicated primetime. We've got a couple of things that Jeff would like to
2: report on from uh, that episode. Right. Well, we have a soft spot for a good old Jumpin' Jim Brunzel uh, from the Hive Flyers. This is my first look at. Fantastic tag team, and really, it was kind of the best part of the AWA shows until Hogan came along. <laughs> and The Road Warriors, and yeah, yeah. But you know, but I mean, the High Flyers are so exciting, yeah. And really, their their matches hold up as well. Like, and now that we've gone back and looked, like, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they're, they're terrific. Great. They're so fast, yep. And Greg Gagne is not a big guy, but he's he he knows what's going on. He can read a crowd. Yep. He's talented, and uh it you know he's he's big enough to to be in the ring. Yeah. Like.
3: He's he's he's. Famous. Famously, the biggest, you know, one of the biggest punching bag, let's say, of the wrestling community. People love to make fun of him, especially people that never even watched AWA and don't even know who he is. And they just look at a picture and they're
2: like, who the hell is this joker? I guess so, because we keep ribbing all these guys like Uncle Royal Nelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or last week, um, Ken Mantell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So fair enough. This, you know, turnabout's fair play. But Greg Gagne and the High Flyers, that's what started my love of, of fast-paced oh, yeah. tag team action.
3: The late 70s, there was, yeah, there was nobody cooler. Than the AWA than the high flyers. And that was like the cementing of the beginnings of my wrestling fandom. Sure. It was on in the background as when I was a baby, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, okay, but so I have here's memories, the- you know, more <laughs> memories from like 76 and 77 and 78 than okay. I do from 75.
2: So before we get to the action, Brunzel says he got fired three times by McMahon. <laughs> really? <laughs> three times. Yes. And he said the first time, cause he was a bit chirpy back, chippy. Oh. And um, he would raise his voice backstage and, you know, and, and protest, you know, in okay. When meetings, he'd raise his hand. He says, one time Hogan said to him after a meeting, hey, I think you just signed your pink slip there, buddy. <laughs> and sure enough, he got three of them over the years. Because oh, wow. we've lamented that Bun- that, that Brunzy jobbed in, in his later yeah. stints, right? Of course. Blair chose not to. So one of the first times he got fired, uh, or okay, one of the first times he got in hot water. Yeah. Relates directly to Greg Gagne and the high flyers. Okay. Yeah. So so Brunzy and Blair are hot with the bees, and we're going to, you know, we're going to go into that right away with a match and, and tell you, we're going to look at some of the great action that Jim Brunzel was involved with. Uh, but, you know, it turns out my interest got sparked by the story. I, I watched a shoot interview with Brunzel. So he gets a call into the office, you know, the, the principal's office. <laughs> you're like, right. uh, Jim, I want to talk to you. <laughs> I'm tempted to, you know, step on the last fan stick <laughs> They're so That's funny. Right. They're good Vince McMahon impressions, but... Anyway, so he dumps a bunch of high flyer wrestling action figures in front. I've just released. while oh, okay. Brunzel's working, He's, you want to tell me about these action figures. <laughs> and so Brunzel gets Jim on gets Greg Gunn on the phone, like, what the hell, man? And turns out Jim claims that Brunzel's forged his signature.
3: Sorry, I think Greg forged the signature.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Greg admits it to him when he gets him on the phone. Well, hell, man, you could have told me you got me in real hot water with the boss over here because wow. I'm working for him. I don't work for the AWA anymore, Greg. And Greg forged Jim Brunzel's signature to make a line of toys that Vince McMahon confronted. Are we about the Remco ones or the I. Probably, because it was, it must like have been. like
3: He-Man looking kind of style, like, you know. It must have been. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, makes sense. Sure. But either way, it's, it's this really fun scenario of, you know, getting in hot water with the boss <laughs> and he was completely innocent. Like he'd been, you know, yeah. fraud, it occurred. He's oh, here's. Framed. <laughs> yeah. So McMahon somehow takes all the money from the sales of these action huh? figures. Yeah. And Brunzel sues him and gets his money and gets fired. Ugh. How about that?
3: That's not good. <laughs> what a terrible trade
2: off. Yeah. Do you, you have um, any idea what year that was? Uh, I'm I would only have to speculate with you and hash it out. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. like about now. Because okay. I mean like when he said he had about eight years off and on. maybe or nine. Yeah. I think he was done by ninety four. And so that was you know we were obviously covering eighty six. So yeah, when did they it, w- yeah. and like we also covered Brunzel and the AWA I guess we haven't really done a lot of that, but we were watching Brunzel. Right. In the AWA. Yeah, uh, like he's
3: still at Star Cage and then he goes to the WWF a few months later
2: in the summer. So what year is that?
3: I'm going to say it's 86.
2: Okay. Well, that, all right. Thank goodness for math. I think we I think we got it there. <laughs> so I don't know what the tipping point was about Brunzel getting fired the first time. But as I was feeling bad for Brunzel and re, I also Googled Jim Brunzel. And among the leads, the prompts that came up right away was Jim Brunzel versus Randy Savage, which caught my interest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Jumping Jim. Yeah, he's got that dropkick. Let me tell you something about that dropkick. Yeah. (laughs) it right in the face. Jim Brunzel, as Jesse Ventura said, has got such a great dropkick. It's it's just beautiful. Absolutely. It's it's amazing. And you're going to get some of that high flying action today, folks. And so, uh, but there, you know, forgive me, I went ahead to 1990 his second chunk yes. as a, uh, a, an elite enhancement. That's right. So he wrestles Macho Man because um, Jim said, I had these gyms to run, gymnasiums, his weightlifting clubs, in, yeah, okay. I guess maybe in White Bear, Minnesota, where he's from. So he said, I could use the extra money as a prelim. I mean, yeah. breaks our heart. But hey, a guys, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. is his choice. That's right. So he has this match with Macho Man in 1990 with Scary Sherry, and Macho Man gets a, a split lip from an incredible drop kick, and Jim <laughs> Brunzel's like, "Uh oh," he says, "Like I'm thinking now, Randy's going to start filling the house with hooks because you know I got him." Yeah. yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. instead, like I love the stories that make me proud of being a Macho Man fan. Right. Uh, Macho Man didn't retaliate you know, basically a potato, but from a Jim Brunzel drop kick, yeah, look I'm out. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, so they finished the match, fucking hot match. So good. Like really lively spot after spot. Yeah. And even, and this drop kick, Jesse goes, I think we might have an upset here. The macho yeah. man took that right in the face. And like for a second, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's like Tito's <laughs> going to get the belt back from Mr. Perfect. Wow. Yeah, yeah. This is just like unbelievable excitement. So, but, um, Here's what Jim says, that he he thanked Randy for make, for putting him over. Right. Giving them such a fantastic four-minute match. Yeah. He takes the big elbow and loses. Yeah. But um, not a botch, not a rest hold, it seems like, not even. Right. And somehow, uh, I, I can't exactly imagine how Jim and Savage are backstage together, but apparently Vince said to Brunzel, or one of them, or both of them, that was the best television match I've ever seen. Hmm. Yeah, I know. That's Jim saying it himself. Hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. (laughs) Exactly. But I, I would like I said. I watched the match and and was really impressed and it was a nice little salve on the wound of one of our heroes becoming enhancement talent. And and then he went on in 94 to uh might have I'm not sure who he was wrestling then, but like that was right. when he, he he left. Yeah, well the Bees ended up in the what
3: was called that that rebooted Herb Abrams Universal Red, Wrestling Federation, not to be confused with the real Universal Wrestling Federation. So they had some big names they pulled in. They Coquain had Dr. And Dr. cowboy Boots. Yeah, 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 they had Dr. <laughs> oh, Dent, boy, that's they had, they had Paul Orndorff. And they had all those guys, but the bees actually ended up being top talent for them, and they actually used them as heels. With he, Jim Brunzel?
2: He, heel bees. Yeah. Jim Brunzel. I yeah, knew yeah. that B. Brian Blair because I knew they'd. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jim, Jim Brunzel and him. Yeah. I didn't know Brunzel went over because I saw the ice cream bars for, for okay, B. Yeah. Brian Blair, but. Yeah. And I watched The Dark Side of the Ring, the, the yeah. one. But yeah. um, so all that fun stuff about Jim Brunzel, and uh, I, I just enjoyed to learn it, and I'm glad to share it with Corey and glad to share it with you, everybody. It was kind of funny. Jim Brunzel himself said, oh, yeah, they called me Dr. Brunzy or something because he, <laughs> he apparently he was able to get you, you know, if you needed something to perk you up, Jim oh, Brunzel okay, can help you All the meds. You, out. All he, the meds. <laughs> you need something to calm you down, Jim. <laughs> and and it's until like word got out and Vern took away his goodie bag oh, or Vern, something. AWA. I thought you were talking about maybe, WF, I was like, maybe hey, they're Vince. own
3: doctor there, but I got you.
2: Well, yep. folks, go and get the stories from Jim Brunzel because you can watch shoot interviews, you can watch Dark Side of the Ring, and, uh, of course, there's all kinds of ways to watch these matches, too, and, and that Macho Man Brunsell match from 1990 Superstars was fantastic, and I'm glad that he got a chance to shine as a mid-card talent, or but that wouldn't be the right time. Anyway, so I have a match to cover while the bees are still hot.
3: <laughs>
2: First thing that caught my attention was Iron Mike Sharp Steel.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no,
2: no steel. But uh, he's ty- teaming with Tiger Chung Lee. Yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to do a
2: whole Street Fighter riff, um, but this is Chung with yeah, G. Yeah, I know. And our, our beloved fast-kicking Chinese superheroine of the Street Fighter uh, fame is Chun Lee with no G. That's right. But we are big fans of uh, of Street Fighter, so hopefully someday we'll have a good reason to uh, we'll, we'll we'll kick that one down the can. Yeah, uh, Tiger Chung Lee
3: looks a little bit like that action actor that was like in every like Die Hard and all those great movies. Like he always plays he's like with the, with
2: the with the receding hairline. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah he's always he always had a, always had an oozy Awesome. Yeah, he always Long had an Uzi, Get little fights. Yeah, yeah, he had longer hair than Tiger Chung tire, Chung That's right. He's Lee. reminded you know they yeah.
3: they do remind you a little bit of each other. Like you know. Mm-hmm.
2: So we had Street Fighter stories. But but uh, we'll we'll try to find an excuse to tell our street well my street fighter stories <laughs> the video game button basher's delight <laughs> yeah well I was really good at it And I was in a tournament and so one day I'll tell you about that folks uh, I think we might have anyway point being that this tag team action match has got our Can- Canada's greatest athlete Iron Mike Sharp. Roar!
3: What's wrong with you anyway? <laughs> Fresh
2: he off was, of our world class championship wrestling, yeah, Christmas Star Wars edition brilliance. Yeah, he was hilarious. I had no idea how much I enjoyed his banter in the ring. His talking, you know, like not a lot of guys yeah. talk. <laughs> like, calm down, calm down. he's <laughs> 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 telling, telling, calm down. Whoa, 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 whoa. He was so funny, Iron Mike. So anyway, I decided to cover this match as best, like, well, I mean, short and sweet. So um, what's notable, the bees have leggings on, <laughs> long black tights. Yeah, underneath, their bee,
3: underneath their bee trunks. Yeah, yeah. And they have that weird, look. Like, they're not wrestling boots. They're wearing these specific yeah. shoes. And I remember this came up about a year or two online where somebody was like, hey, have you guys seen this? Like, because there was a period of time, yeah, where they had these long black tights, let's say, underneath their regular trunks. And it's just such a different look. It didn't last because they, they go back to the regular B outfits. But for a while here, there's several matches around this time where they're wearing these different
2: gear. Yeah. Masks do not play into the match. Uh-huh. So they've changed their cheating ways. <laughs> come to the light. Jesse makes fun of their footwear. <laughs> <laughs> Funny looking boots. At one point during the match, Iron Mike is uh, doing his shtick and he's, he's flexing his biceps and he goes over to Tiger Chung Lee and Tiger Chung Lee's like, yeah, yeah, he's patting it and he's approving of, <laughs> of Iron Mike's physique. There's also a really cool, unique move that it's Brunzel that does it. It looks like basically a Gamora. Okay. He, he grabs Iron Mike's wrist and then he kind of like leans over and tucks his arm back in through the rear to like, you know, if you, uh, to get this really good grip. And then he does a. Kind of a back bridge, and Mike Iron Mike takes this Gamora takedown. It's a really cool, unique move. So doing? they
3: both are standing, and then he does yeah. the bridge out. Yeah, okay. so yeah.
2: They're basically face to face, and an arm, an arm bar or a wrist lock turns into this Gamora thing. He, he reaches over and and sneaks this. So he's got a real good. It's a submission move in UFC grappling. A Gamora, where isn't it a Kamora? Gamora. Okay, yeah. right. Gamora. That's a character from Marvel. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Kamora. <laughs> Very well. Gamora take down. Yeah. Looks really good. Okay. I can't say it, but I'll slap a Gamora on you, no sucker. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, slap a Gamora on me. Woo!
4: <laughs> She's hot.
2: Now, what's really fun about this mic. Uh, sorry about this match uh, Well the, It's part of the commentary But as far as the action It's it's what you expect The uh, Iron Mike Does a lot of clubbing And he You know He actually Loads up His bracer uh-huh, At one yes. point While Chung Lee Is hope holding Brian Vulnerable But Of course The killer Bee Ducks it And Chung Lee Takes the <laughs> bracer Club <laughs> yeah. And uh, it isn't uh, The finish is, is One of Brunsdale's Beautiful drop kicks But the way that right. they do That Like it's really cool There's a They whip a guy Into the ropes And then B, B Brian Blair Does a drop down So that the guy is basically yeah. hopping over a wrestler, kind of almost putting him in midair yes. as he takes the feet to the face. It's yeah, really-
3: I'm pretty sure the Sirensman event match against the Heart Foundation, that's the same spot. Like where they have to, like you say, the Brett or whoever has to go over top yeah. to put himself in a really it's bad spot. It's so <laughs> great
2: because it makes a drop kick a finisher. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, Brunzell gets the three count and it's just like really... So gratifying to see yeah. them win, even though this is Enhancement Plus op- op- opposition. Yeah. To see a drop kick as a finisher, that just goes to show you what top fucking talent Jim Brunzel is, and how good his drop kick was. That's right. Yeah. And the other thing um, that I saw when I people called that Savage drop kick like the best one in there are some people who are like here's the best drop kick in professional wrestling history because right, right. macho man takes it and then his face goes back that extra inch and a half as Brunzi extends and that's what splits his lip and being the professional that he is he doesn't lose his cool he yeah. just puts on a great match puts Brunzel over and what a what puts a him po-
3: over by letting him look good before he beats him yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Sorry. laughs> putting him over sort of sounds like he- Brunzel won as which best we know he could doesn't. in yeah, the circumstances exactly.
2: yeah. yes technically you're right he doesn't take a pinfall but he shows his respect to Brunzel yes. and lets him shine and so yes. that's why there people can point to this match and say best drop kick in professional wrestling history it's like well that's pretty that's, wow but uh, it, it, it does look really special
4: <laughs>
2: so and this one looks great he floors Tiger Chung Lee with that and, and gets the pinfall and here's the really fun part about the commentary is that Vince McMahon starts busting busting Jesse Ventura's balls about his career and he goes well Jesse you're a lackluster career and he's like lackluster lack, <laughs> luster. And then somehow the banter becomes like, hey, they're putting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for me, McMahon. And, and Vince is like, oh, yeah, and when's that happening, Jesse? He goes, uh, I'm right in line after Liberace. <laughs> 20 years later, ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Ventura finds himself inducted to the Hollywood Walk of Fame alongside <laughs> alongside Sean Young, yeah, yeah, super yeah. hottie from Blade oh, Runner right. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Ace Ventura. So who had the last laugh, McMahon? Right. My name is on the Walk of Fame. <laughs> I love it. Lackluster shows you, McMahon. Wow, we love Jesse. I love Jesse. So that was super fun. And this was the day before this incredible tag team excitement. Yeah, so this is again
3: this is the syndicated show, so this stuff would have been recorded earlier. But it also gives us to a show in Philadelphia. So it's Spectrum TV, our beloved Prism TV, and Cal oh. Rudman. So we've got several things to cover off that show, and then we're gonna head up to Toronto.
0: Gripe, griping, gripe. Look, look at I don't have a clue where we are. Where is the gym? I know where we are. These guys are costing me a lot of money. All you paid for was my lousy ticket. And this this you could call lunch? Hey, I want you to feel at home, pal. The camera's breaking down. The audio man keeps tripping and falling down the hills. Do you have any idea? I know exactly where I am. Well,
3: let's get to the okay, gym You then. just keep
0: your mouth shut. Eat a banana and follow me. Let's go.
3: It's March 14th. It's Philadelphia on Prism TV. And they've got this big card. And we get lots and lots of Cal Rudman goodness. But one thing to take of note here is... Oh, yeah. This is Ken Resnick's last show for the WWF. He's, uh, he's an announcer uh, with the booth. You know, and uh, he's doing the color commentary. And... Uh, He doesn't know it at the time, (laughs) it would would appear. It's not like they're like, well, it's been good working with you, Ken, but uh, it's it's not like like it's a very thin gorilla monsoon is what he says (laughs) of of Ken Resnick. (laughs) So, yeah. So they're not going to cover every single thing on here, but when I spotted our man Cal Rudman is in the back with... Outback Jack, couldn't <laughs> the curiosity? It's like a car wrecky. You, you can't help but look, right? Like, of course,
2: <laughs> gotta watch that.
3: So it's it's actually kind of more enjoyable than I thought it might be. So Cal says to Outback Jack, he understands you're very new to wrestling, <laughs> which is a weird comment, and has only been doing it since Christmas. So you know it's kind of a weird, you know it sounds it makes sound like he's only been wrestling for a few months. And Jack is talking about what he was doing in Australia. And it's funny because Cal's almost, like, interrupting him a lot. He's got a lot of questions. He's very excited, and he wants to know all these answers. It's pretty funny. So Outback Jack at one point goes, like, tells him to, steady down, mate. (laughs) 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 Steady down, mate. Yeah, (laughs) That's pretty good. So he's talking about being a bull catcher and all these different things, the work that he was doing. And they talk about how Outback Jack is undefeated. And Outback Jack's talking about how Hulk Hogan's looking out for, after him you know and been teaching him the ropes and how to wrestle and all the moves and it's kind of silly right. from that perspective almost sounds a bit like the the, the idea behind the hillbilly Jim, you know protege and honky tonk and honky donk yeah. yeah all these different people yeah opac jack has this weird thing on the back of his jacket it's kind of like a part of a I, I couldn't make out what it was it's apparently supposed to be the back of a mini crocodile
2: right yeah well that's what apparently what the bulldogs cut up maybe yeah so he talks about how he like check this, out our backlog of episodes that's right Right. the story, <laughs> the story about Bat Jack in this vest and the Bulldogs. Yeah,
3: I think the easiest way to find that one would actually be on our preview episode, Their very, very first re- release—not a proper episode, but our—it's a short one. And there's a there's Doubt the uh Jack slash B Brian Blair. Say that fast three times. You can't do it. So, anyways, he talks about his jacket and all this stuff on it. It's pretty funny. And they that's the, they're going to take you to the ring. So he's got a match against. It's not very impressive. It's Frenchie Martin when he's still you know he's pre-manager days. So he's. He's out there with his, his beret and he's got the black unitard kind of thing and he, he's a wrestler. You know he wrestled a lot, but we can only really think of him as this you know not great manager.
2: Yeah, kind of with a Vincent Van Gogh costume or something. <laughs> yeah, and that's he came right. Up with his easel, or, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so
3: so, Opac Jack comes out to his uh, timey kangaroo down or whatever the theme song they were using was, and the file hasn't been edited, so I'm sure if we were to listen to that match on the network, we'd get some weird, (laughs) I don't know what, replacement sound.
2: Yeah, the the only other song I know from Australia is uh, Snooka (laughs)
3: Loopy. What?
2: Yeah, Snooker, okay. Yeah, a bunch of uh, a bunch of famous <laughs> snooker players made a uh, like their version of the Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah, yeah. loopy <laughs> we'll show you what we can do with a load of balls and a snooker cue.
3: <laughs> so it's a pretty long match. I think it goes over two segments. So Frenchie's getting his licks in here and there. I didn't really watch it very carefully. I did kind of skip to the end. It's kind of a neat finish. It's a pretty lengthy match. So there's a part where Outback oh, Jack ducks a clothesline, and he nails Frenchie with the clothesline, and Frenchie's, you know, he obviously planned it out and timed it. He spits out his gum, so it makes it look like a tooth came flying out, and it goes <laughs> flying up in the air, like probably 25 feet in the air, this, this gum from the clothesline. And then Opeback Jack sets him up for, in what I think is called the boomerang, which is a big finisher. It's supposed to be like this clothesline to the back of the neck. So Frenchie stands up like a stunned video game player and waits for him to come. But this doesn't look like the other time I saw Opeback Jack do it, which is where it looked like, I'm not going to say Stan Hansen or anything, but it looked like he hit the guy pretty hard. This one is like, he jumps in the air and it kind of ends up looking like a really weak bulldog. (laughs) Like, it looks like a really bad, you know, finishing maneuver, but it's enough to take Frenchie out and get him pinned. Yikes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. Still working
2: out the kinks of that uh, boomerang finish. <laughs> That's
3: right. You know, he didn't work out, but uh, they had high hopes for this guy. But you're right. He's, he's more charming in this interview than anything else I've ever seen. So I guess maybe he's a little bit better than we thought he
2: was. Yeah, actually, he does seem to be... Uh unafraid of the mic and he's that's got right, all yeah. that kind of baby face you know uh come on out and support me i want to yeah. see the fans and see your smiling faces <laughs> and like he's just you know he's a bit like um the uh you know car salesman he's got all right. the right lines you yeah. know and uh but but i i also found him charming
1: that's right yeah of course i'm not, I'm not putting you like i'm not pulling you leg, that's sure. yeah. yeah now uh, frenchy martin he's from uh, canada isn't he you're yeah, fighting him, yeah, Frenchy Martin. He's um, from Quebec City or something like that. Yeah, that's um, timber-cutting t- country there up think. Yeah, he's probably a tough bloke because you know he can't go out, cut timber all day and not be uh, not be a strong sort of fellow. I've watched him a couple of times though. He's been on this a couple of places I've seen, and uh, he's a tough boy. There's no doubt about that. So a bloke might have his hands full. Might be a real test. Ooh. This has been very, very interesting. I've got to see this match. We'll be right back.
3: So now we're getting ready for a Can-Am Connection tag team match. But the boys, they got to go see Cal Rudman. <laughs> Love it. So Cal tells us it's Zink's first time at the Spectrum. His first time in Philadelphia. And they're all excited. And it's interesting. He calls Rick
2: his old buddy. And he calls him Champ. Well, uh, Rick Martel, of course, dedicated fans will know that he held the WWF, I guess it was three W's at the time, with Tony Gurria. So he was he a multiple. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. He had two. That's right. Tag team championship So I
3: definitely think that's what they're referring to, but it also gave me a little bit of a vibe of like, is he subtly acknowledging the AWA world title? Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. Yeah. Those little tingles. Yeah. That's right. So what we're going to see here is that these men, they're used to being tag team and everything about them, but they're going to be in a singles matches, each of them against the dream team. So we've got Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine. So what we're going to end up with is Tom Zink is going to battle Greg Valentine And Rick Martel is going to go blow to blow with Brutus Beefcake. Now, these guys were involved in a televised match we talked about on an earlier episode where Adrian Adonis accidentally cuts Brutus's hair. And you can definitely on this card see the result of that it does not look good like you can Uh-oh. totally see br- his hair's all messed up and it's actually it exposes like a
2: bald spot that i don't remember him having like in those yeah, days yeah. <laughs> well you're quite yeah he was hiding it pretty well i definitely noticed that his hair got to be like the most ridiculous <laughs> yeah. you know hairdo in his brutus the barber beefcakes he had this like power mullet hiding the the bald spot and uh, it was pretty silly looking i thought he had pretty normal looking hair when he is in his yeah. wcw days later on right. he didn't ever look as outrageous as yeah so i thought he looked best basically as champ i thought his look was really good and you didn't yeah really, his dream team run yeah. yeah you can if you saw sometimes if he was really sweating you yeah. would really you could see how his hair had thinned out pretty bad that's right they're taking the same steroids as as Hulk Hulk Hogan I guess so <laughs> yeah. there you go
3: yeah So there's still a little bit more of this interview. Cal asks Zink how he's going to prevent that figure four leg lock. And Zink's trying to like, he's he's not not the greatest talker. So he starts talking about he's going to try and stay off his back. And he kind of just rambles for a little bit and doesn't really get anywhere with that. And at one point, he's really funny. He refers to, he's talking about Valentine. He's like, I'm going to deal with the trouble and dastardly deeds. (laughs) It's just a silly little comment. I'm like, what? Like, how does this come up? Martel talks about not being far from the ring. So like, they don't trust the dream team and it's going to be a singles match and you've got to go there by yourself but they're each going to be staying near the ramp you know staying near the entrance so that you know if something if they try and pull some shenanigans here they can go and save each other.
2: What was that tournament where Martel just came and shook hands but didn't get the wrestle? Well, that was the Crockett Cup because oh. yeah,
3: yeah, Dino Bravo was was sick or something or mm. injured. He yeah. had a gallbladder problem or something. I can't By. remember or something. Yeah, so it was like the we thought we were getting <laughs> Martel and Bravo in this tournament, the number 5 seeds in this giant 2014 yeah. tournament and and then yeah, they didn't even didn't
2: even wrestle. No. Instead, the Canadians are represented by Sharp and Steel. The <laughs> Texas troublemakers have come.
3: Different year, different federation, different titles, but yeah. <laughs> in, our, in our linear travels, that makes sense. So there's a really funny part cal says i don't know why because you're so ugly <laughs> this is to the can connection <laughs> but we're getting a lot of mail <laughs> and now what, we got we got this other ugly guy he points at zinc <laughs> what are we gonna do about the girls uh, <laughs> zinc says hilarious. he hopes he hopes they don't do anything because <laughs> like you know he doesn't yeah. want his, he doesn't want the girls to stop he's, he's yeah, liking yeah. the attention that's what he says oh that's great. pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> ugly guys <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's pretty good. It's not like over the top or anything. It's not like it's not Cal's best stuff. But for as far as a babyface interaction, it's pretty decent. Cause yeah, his best best stuff is with the heels. Yeah, so.
2: when, he, when he's kissing up to the
3: villains, that's yeah. what's so much fun. That's right. It's interesting. The uh Laps fan is in the middle of a giant Terry Funk tribute. You know, many many weeks of shows already on it, and oh. they covered our the match we loved, which is from the Spectrum Hogan and. Terry Funk, like around the time of that Siren's main event match. So they have this great match in Philly that you and I just died laughing at. That's the one where like Funk's getting his ass kicked for like eight minutes straight. doesn't <laughs> get a single lick in for like eight minutes. But there's a Cal interview on that show and they've never seen him before. They don't know who he is. And they don't like, they kind of don't like anybody they don't know. So they just like, they're just, you know, who's this loser? Get this guy off my screen. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> like you, you're missing. Really? The ge- you're missing the genius. Oh, And the thing is, is in the interview with Terry Funk and Jimmy Hart, Cal Rudman's just being very um, aggressive and like standoffish with them. He's like, they're arguing he's not doting over him like he does with Mr. Wonderful or oh. Savage or somebody yeah. so so i guess maybe if they saw one of the ones where it's like you know the, the, that different chemistry i so. see yeah. Well,
2: you don't know what you're missing.
3: I will have, have to edumacate them on uh, on who Cal Rudman you is. You know, I've never
2: uh, my OSW boys have never mentioned Cal. Yeah, I think I, I'm sure either. there's
3: other people that, you know, especially people that are Spectrum fans, so they would they would know and would get it. But like, we'll plant our flag in that you know we're big Cal Rudman supporters and boosters and think that you know he's a lost bit of uh, you know the magic of wrestling and you know the history of WWF and all this like late '70s all the way to '89
2: like such a great run. I was listening to Jim Ross. He thought that 89 was this golden year and in no short order because of Terry Funk. Right, yeah. You know, Muda, which, you know, it, it was so not enough. Muda was so great. He could be, oh, yeah. he's like, he could be in my top three, if not my second favorite. And not because of the, like, just simply in-ring style. Yes. I'm such a fan of Savage because all those wonderful storylines with Elizabeth and everything yeah. and, and his, you know, his progression. But Muda, just the way he looked and worked yep. in the ring, so he didn't you need, need any... Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, it was fantastic, man. He, could, I hope we get some. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Jim Ross is talking about '89, face Flair, you know, yep. fighting Muda and yep. Funk as the special special year. Oh
3: yeah, because I mean, you go through Steamboat Flair yeah, and Funk Flair, yeah, and then Muda gets involved and Sting, yeah. and it's just it's so great. You know, the business side of things isn't isn't going great for them, but right. like, but the talent is like yeah. the the roster is yeah. just so impressive. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so we're going to get to the ring here in this match between again Tom Zink and Greg Valentine. The Hammer. That's right. So we're just going to skip ahead, you know, kind of jump right pretty much to the end of the match here, so because we don't have time to cover every match. But. His
2: hair is hanging in there. Yeah, His hair yeah, looks yeah. as good today as yeah. it did at WrestleMania <laughs> 2 and all. So uh yeah, and he's uh he does a lot of shoot interviews. He
3: does, yeah. He puts himself over a lot, but I do like him. I like I you know, they all do, right? But like yeah, he'll he'll talk about how he's the great he he'll literally call himself the greatest of all time. <laughs> it's not Flair. <laughs> it's not
2: Ogan, it's him. <laughs> oh jeez, I didn't notice that. I missed yeah. I missed those parts.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I love you, Greg, but come on, man. <laughs>
2: um, just one last thing. The most gentle, soft spoken. Demure interview subject Stan Hansen. Right. Yeah. I was like, Christ. You know, are you a part-time Santa Claus? Because he was really just a jovial, good-natured kind of guy. Hansen and, Claus. Hansen Claus. Yeah. <laughs> Let he, me see,
3: you little boy, and then what I got in the sack for you? Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Smiling and agreeable. Wow. And polite and just. Uh, I. I couldn't believe it. And 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 also with the voice, I was. It was. It just didn't sound anything like shouting, scary Stan Hansen. That's awesome.
3: So yeah, so we're into this uh, into this match, and what we see is basically Zinc is rallying at this point. Just, there's a comeback, so he punches Greg out of the ring, and then Tom makes a mistake. He follows Greg, and I don't think I've ever quite seen this. They literally run around the ring. They don't just. This is like the fastest sucker chase you've ever seen. <laughs> like Greg's actually like giving her like you know wow. you would think he's trying to win the 50 yard dash or something. He's running quite fast. There's a lot of room on the outside between uh. the barricade and the ring, and they really run around fast. And Zinc, of course, follows him into the ring and starts getting stomped on.
2: <laughs> Can't do that in Toronto because you got that ramp connected right. to the ring. Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. You're not even doing one loop and you're no, stopped. You know, do not pass go. Do not collect that's
3: right. $200. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, so Tom gets thrown out of the ring after that whole process and after a long delay he's really hurt for some reason from being thrown out of the ring. It takes him forever to get back in. So Greg suplexes him back in from the apron. But wait, it's a reversal and a roll up from behind. But the hammer kicks out at two. So we get back-to-back drop kicks, those rock Greg, and he gets a, Tom gets the cover, and there's this really weak kick out at two, like Greg barely kicks out. And there's this weird standing face smash. So like basically Greg's stunned, I guess. And Tom Zink has him by the back of the hair. And then instead of taking him to the corner and smashing him into the turnbuckle, he just like, ah, we're going to just fall to the mat. <laughs> like, yeah, they just, like sure. He just fall all the way to the ground. It looks a bit silly. But, it, you know, of course, once he hits, then hey, man's hurt. So Zink at this point has a headlock. And there's a bit of a botch here. There's a lift by Greg Valentine, sort of an atomic drop style lift. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to crotch him on the top rope. But he, like, he doesn't make it. The first lift doesn't even go off the ground. So he has to, like, take a step forward, readjust, lift him up again. But this he doesn't lift him very high again either. And when he does land on the rope, the camera angle doesn't do any favors. It's more, like, underneath his, like, thigh and his knee. Like, it's not really on his crotch at all. Right. But then Zom Zink has to sell yeah. Like he got a crotch. Yeah. And the referee signals for the bell. And it turns out that Greg Valentine has been disqualified for dropping Tom Zink's leg on the rope. <laughs> or I see. or this crotch shot, depending aye, on how you aye, talk about it. Right. Crotch botch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the family jewels are supposed to have been dropped on the top rope. And then Tom Zink's smart. He gets out of there. He just rolls out of the ring after once the ref once the ref raises his hand, he gets out of there because he can see Greg's kind of stalking around in the background getting, you know, probably lurking, waiting to you know, give him a smack in the back of the head or something and start beating him up again. But Tom Zink gets out. We've got 1-0 for the Can-Am connection based off of this DQ win. And they announced during the match that there's going to be an intermission. So there's an edit, there's an intermission, and we come back. And now we have the other half of this tag team. They're, they're going to be in a match. So Beefcake is in the ring with what I'm going to call as like sort of his yellow and black version of his stripy, tigery. you know. Kind of, they look like lightning bolt. Yeah, sometimes. a little bit. Yeah. Jaggedy. Yeah. Zigzaggy. So he's got that kind of robe vest, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's got the tails almost, you know, like it's. It's, yeah. Yeah. And then he's got, of course, got the matching kind of like long tight. Sleeveless tuxedo vest. Yeah. And like I said, or, you really get a good look at his hair. Like he's really short on top, but it's really thick on the sides and the back. So he's really got the mullet going. And it, it yeah, it doesn't, uh, <laughs> it's not a good look for Brutus. who Normally in that year, that era would be, you know, looking pretty good. Martel, like Zinc was, is out, you know, the, the white basically can connection. You got the, the double flag on the backside of their trunks, the the Canada and the US flag, the white jacket. Much pretty smarter good. than,
2: much better than Dino Bravo choice that's right uh, he, <laughs> yeah, you know i sat, spot. <laughs> <sat> on attack
3: <laughs> yep ouch so they mention on commentary and i kind of didn't even notice in the previous match but there's no johnny v at ringside what do you mean there's no johnny v <laughs> there's no johnny what v? are you talking about <laughs> 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 and one of the things i see in this match in the early parts of the match is uh beefcake's doing a lot of strutting and he gets like a really good pop from the crowd when he gets announced he gets a big cheer
2: <laughs> oh that's wild
3: yeah and they, the commentators talk about it. They're like, whoa, he got like, you know, I'm surprised how popular he is. Right. And well, this they- is perfect timing, right? Because this is just before WrestleMania 3. <laughs> and we've already seen the whole tease of the Adonis and what happened with the haircut. Right. So it's a whole setup of like what's going to put things in motion to make Face this Face turn guy,
2: in the future.
3: Yeah, very, very near.
2: For Brutus Beefcake, also known as Ed Leslie. That's right.
3: So again, we're going to skip to the end of the match here. We can see Brutus is scaling the top rope. And Martel's getting back up to his feet and Brutus leaps into the air, but Martel nail, nails him in the stomach on the way down with a punch to the gut. So Brutus is begging off for the, uh, you know, the timeout on his knees. Great. You give him a little timeout symbol. He eats a turnbuckle and oversells it a bit. And then he's feasting on a second and a third turnbuckle and he's just got the most rubbery legs and rubbery body and like he's really kind of overselling it. And But the crowd's into it. So that's, that's pretty cool.
2: He does sometimes tend towards the comedy yeah. cell, which yeah. is fine.
3: So after the third turnbuckle smash, you can see that Martel's going to take him for the fourth one, but then Beefcake just like walks away from him and f- flare flops. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's pretty nice. Sad. I like that. It was pretty funny. Yeah. There's a two count and then a whip into an abdominal stretch. So our French-Canadians got the tight move on. Brutus, again, breaking rules here as a bad guy, but I guess he's almost a good guy. So maybe he can get away with doing this. He does the hip toss. Imagine that. How dare he? But then he misses this big forearm drop, which really hurts himself. Brutus, once they get up to their feet, he still tries to get on the attack again. So he attempts to slam Rick Martel, but he slides over the top for the sleeper. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, Brutus is supposed to have the sleeper. (laughs) Like, you know, very quickly, he's going to, you know, adopt Martel's like,
2: I come from the AWA where everybody does the sleeper.
3: I got lots of experience with this. So Beefcake struggles and gets uh, Martel backed into a corner. But eventually they both spill outside of the ring, like, you know, when you're still holding on. So you're literally like they're, the sleeper still applied and they both fall between the second and the third rope to the outside. That breaks up the hold. Both guys are kind of hurt and stuff. Martel makes an attempt to get back in the ring, but Beefcake takes his feet, you know, pulls him down off the apron, hits him, smashes his face on the apron. They both make their, their way up to the apron and the ref is continuing to count. And the count is getting higher and higher. And you can hear him. I think he says something along the lines of, you know, get in here or whatever it is. And there's a weird spot So it looking like It's going to be a double count out You know For sure And they're both standing on the apron And Beefcake takes this big Overgestured swing Right hand And Martel ducks And like Back buddy drops Beefcake over the top rope From the apron Into the ring Okay And then the bell rings As that's happening And I'm like Oh my I think Martel just beat himself <laughs> I think he just like You know I think he put Beefcake in the ring And now he's been counted out But the ref Set does say it's a double countout, which kind of makes no sense. I'm like, I don't know the purpose of that spot for the back body drop into the ring if it's not going to be to actually
2: make that the make that the finish. You know, make that be the the thing that causes Beefcake to win. Let's say I see it is kind of hard to visualize, but you're saying that you thought that Martel might have actually lost by countout. Yeah, I thought, even he, though he's I putting thought, at offense on Beefcake.
3: Yeah, it's because it's like he he backdrops Beefcake into the ring, and then like as Beefcake's clearing the ropes, you hear the bell ring. So it's like. But timing-wise, it almost seemed like it could have been that hey, Beefcake beat the count. He's in at nine and a half, and Martel's still out on the apron, so he's counted out.
2: But didn't the ropes hold Martel up as he like tries to backdrop? Like, like, what He kind just of- basically duck. He oh, ducked wait, a punch. Backdrop. I'm thinking yeah. back suplex. Not no, back, back suplex. Drop. He just yeah. ducks
3: it. He ducks a punch. Okay. And then Beefcake's yeah. momentum goes over his shoulder, and he flips him.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And they're just getting my moves confused. Yeah. Now yeah. I yeah. understand.
3: Yeah, some commentators will call the back suplex a backdrop or something like that because it does kind of description wise make sense. <laughs> yeah.
2: well, I'm just used Drop to a guy like. The back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, you know, I whip a guy, I stand in the ring, I, I bend over as he's coming up, and then, you know, he, he goes for the big ride, you, you know, know or and he kicks I kicks me in the face. <laughs> yeah, right yeah, here kicks me in the face. Ouch. <laughs> Spitting
3: chiclets. <laughs> so martel gets back in the ring and just starts beating beefcake's ass he just starts he's on fire he's like awa champion punch 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 and he's just like kicking his ass but uh it does get broken up pretty pretty quickly chases beefcake off
2: i love some of my fired up martel's baby face and that's that was, right you know when 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 we were digging the high flyers a little bit later we got to dig this french canadian world champion and the that's awa right. as we were kids so that's he right. was we 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 had to wait. We had to wait for that sneaky old Bachwinkle to give up the gold, but he didn't. We know that Jumbo's Sruda was in between. Anyway, that's point right. is, we do our we love our A and AWA memories.
3: Yeah, in twenty twenty four, this year we're talking about. <laughs> we're going to be finding a way to get a couple of episodes, two or three episodes, in on a bunch of Rick Martell chasing the title and then defending that title, that AWA title. And there's so many title defenses
2: that he had that Jeff and I never saw because yeah. they didn't put that shit on our TV. So basically he was, for me, my first baby face world champ, Rick Martel. So a special, special yeah, love for that. That's right. For him.
3: Okay. This card is oh, going to you feature- know, I
2: met him one time and I was like, I wanted to speak French. <laughs> so I stumbled Whoa. out the words, are you going to win tonight? And he just kind of looked at me and then he was polite. He said, "We." Oui. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. So one of the neat things about
3: this little pause we're doing here is that we're- we're not done with Roddy Piper. We want more Piper. So, this is before WrestleMania 3. He's still on all the shows. He hasn't, quote unquote, retired and gone to Hollywood just yet. Nope. And we're going to get a few things on the syndicated TV coming up. But this night, there's a live Piper's Pit, and a certain jerk, a certain no good piece of crap, Danny Davis, is going to have to pay the Piper.
2: Yeah,
1: well. Rick, I don't know why, because you so ugly. But they're still getting a lot of mail about you. And now that we got this other ugly guy come, what are are we going to do about the girls? I hope you don't do anything about it. They've been real receptive so far. Uh, I like it. You like it? Yeah, I love it. Okay, we'll be right back.
2: So the Philadelphia crowd is treated to a... Rowdy Roddy Piper appearance. It's a uh, Piper's Pit and Danny Davis, referee turned wrestler we love to hate, as opposed to John Bonello, the wrestler turned referee that we just love. <laughs> Now that we've uh, discovered him, there, there's a much more significant Piper's pit that I want to get to. So we'll just say that Danny goes on and sneers and mouths off, and <laughs> guess what happens? Yeah, that's right. He gets clubberinoed <laughs> by Rowdy Piper. It's not
3: going to go Ooh. good for him. <laughs> no.
2: So uh, I, uh, that, you know that happens.
3: Probably should have brought the Hart Foundation out with him to protect him.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good idea. But no, he goes up by himself, and he takes a great bump, and yeah. you know he can count himself among the honorary uh, members of the club who got beat up on you know Piper's Pit <laughs> by right. the rowdy one.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that's gonna get a crowd fired up because they or at they least wanna, hit. they want to see him. They want to see him lose. And again, this is you know March Fourteenth, pre-WrestleMania Three. We're still peak hatred of Danny Davis. So yeah, yeah, anytime you can show a crowd like him getting walloped then they're going to love it.
1: There's just one thing you can sense you want my job. There's just one thing I want to leave Philadelphia with. Good thing. What's that? Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay, that's going to leave time for the main event of this Philadelphia car. Now, in recognition of the length of this show, uh, we won't be covering this blow for blow. We'll just try and you know, look at it a little bit, kind of some of the funny stuff that happened in it, and maybe a bit of a difference of a match we've seen before, a similar type match. So what it is, is we have Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorf, and the Ugandan giant Kamala. They're a you know odd tag team, they've been matched up for some reason, and they're taking on Hulk Hogan and the soon-to-be-departing Roddy Piper.
2: Right, the odd matchup with the exclusion of the time that Paul Orndorff disguised himself as Kim Chi oh, to yeah. attack Hogan. Yes. But, like, how long ago was that? That was, like, recently or? Yeah, that
3: was early in, in 87. So that was probably in February or late January or something like that. I'd have to well, go then back and look. I good, know we mentioned it. Yeah. So it's within, yeah. And, again, it probably, that pro- that attack probably happened in Philly. So that's probably, this is it's almost exactly like a follow-up to it, you know?
2: Yeah, that's so. what I'm thinking, you know? And then they end in a cage. <laughs> so, right. Uh, you, you've got it. thank you. That's all I wanted to. Yeah. As you're setting up and yeah, going so the out.
3: the heels come out together. Paul's got his like red robe on, and but Kamala's got like the full shield and spear. <laughs> like, awesome! He, he's just gonna it, kill I've somebody. Said it the, the mask, I think, or whatever. Yeah, and,
2: yeah. Great reaction when his music is awesome and just you know he's so intimidating, physical, huge presence, and the big yeah. mask and the spear. I mean, some people. Vern Gagne doesn't go for that. No, no, not as much. But, you know, to see the reaction, like I I still remember the clip of a a little boy and his dad, both just their eyes kind of like open up with fear and wonder. What do we do with this? Yeah.
3: (laughs) So the the difference here is the last time we saw this Hogan-Piper matchup, they came out separately. And actually, I think Piper, didn't even have his bagpipes. He just came out to silence, you know, but, but cheers, but, you know, no music. This time we see them backstage in, you know, the, the Philadelphia version of the, you know, gorilla position MSG shot, the back hallway. And Piper's a bit ahead of Hogan, but they come out together. So they come out to Hogan's music and Piper's sort of just walking in front of him. So right away I'm seeing a difference between, you know, how this was presented a couple of months ago to how it's being presented now. They're more of a unified front. <laughs> and once they get out there, there is sort of a sneak attack. Paul Undurf doesn't want to wait. So once the shirts are off, he's attacking and Piper still got his kilt on and there's some, you know, pretty funny stuff that happens, but eventually they just, you know, the the good guys of course clean house. Hogan's out on the apron and we get our match going. So one of the things we see that's you know also kind of a repeat spot of what was Paul Orndorff and Harley Race versus this tag team of Hogan and Orndorff is that they're going to do a lot of quick tags they think they're the high flyers <laughs> and they're going to work an arm you know it's not as long and ridiculous as it was in the race match cuz that one was just like 7 or 8 minutes of like arm ringers and and all this stuff but yeah. it's definitely notable that they sort of have a lot of control of course the the bad guys are eventually going to get the get you know get the advantage piper's the one who ends up being beaten on for most of the match And there's a lot of distracting the ref. I love it. Uh, Kamala knows a lot more about wrestling and the shenanigans of the ring than he lets on. You know, like there's a a great moment where he comes into the ring uh, and he just kind of puts his hands up to the ref like, well what's going on like he just totally distracts the ref as like pi- as uh, Piper's about to make the tag so instead of going over and like attacking he just like he just has a conversation with the ref <laughs> and that's yeah. enough that's enough for the ref not to see the tag and not allow it and at other times he's like you know of course doing his choking and chopping from the apron and I just think it's really funny there was another one where Piper's doing like a butt scoot he looks like a dog who's wiping his butt on the carpet he's yeah. trying to
2: get to his corner <laughs> he being yeah the other guy the, exactly but it's it's funny because like whoever's got a chin lock on him, like you're not going yeah, yeah, anywhere. It's or- it's or- yeah. <laughs> and you like, and uh, Piper's like, I sure am going. Yes, I'm going, right. you know, <laughs> inch by inch, scrape by scrape. I'm <laughs> gonna make it to my corner, and it's sort of like he can't
3: be stopped. And the neat thing is, is that if you watch carefully, you actually see Kamala come into the ring, and he's like sneaking along the outside perimeter of the ring, along the ropes, you know, so that just as they get to the point where he's about to tag, you know, again, Kamala interjects himself and distracts the ref and stops the tag from happening. So it was, it, there's some good stuff there. Another thing that I enjoyed is we get a really rare. Roddy Piper's standing dropkick. <laughs> like that's not something you're going to see very often out of Piper, but he delivers one of those. So, when we finally get Hogan coming in at the end, the match wraps up pretty quickly. Hogan really no-sells. Orndorff's punching him in the face and he yeah. Hogan's being really disrespectful, like just not even pretending. He's not even hawking up. He's just literally standing there like, yeah. "You're a toddler hitting me and I can't feel it." Yeah. You know, and Orndorff Ooh. Orndorff of course sells for Hogan the moment Hogan starts punching yeah. him. You know, Orndorff's doing a great job. So
2: basically, what we end up with after well, the, you didn't you didn't mention the one you're going to the finish now, right? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, the you know because it happened in the match, there was a head smash where where Piper one of the points where he's dishing out some punishment. Yeah, he's just sloppy and 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 he's not he's not doing his part of the job. And, you right. know, like you're supposed to grab somebody by the back of the neck and, you know, yeah, really force them, just escort them sternly to that turnbuckle. <laughs> they don't have a choice in the matter. Yeah, that's right. And Piper looks like he's like, good job, Pat, on the back, you know, <laughs> and then and Orndorff goes for it. Good old Orndorff yeah, yeah, goes face yeah. first into the buckle and he gives us the Popeye squint and he's yeah, staggering yeah. on <laughs> his drunken yeah. sailor legs and bow legged. <laughs> but, you know, it's like Roddy, you know, it looked like. I, Orndorff did that to himself, you know? That's like right. You're, 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 it was sloppy. Yeah. At least that one spot, if not maybe some other spot where I was like, hey, you know, like most of the matches, you know, a quick second review, I wasn't really seeing the botches. But at that moment, I, I did feel like... yeah. Careful now, you know. <laughs> you don't make it that obvious. Yeah. Or like, you know, the, when he does his poke in the eye, yeah. you know, he kind of sometimes it's like, where are you drawing the line in your no-sell? You know, yes. like he'll be like, sell, sell, sell. And they're like, no, now I just doink you in the eye. Yeah. And what happened to all those, you know, that flurry of blows? Shouldn't you still be like, <laughs> <Beat> oh, <up." laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was not P- Piper's finest night in the ring.
3: That's right. So yeah, the the end of the match those last couple of minutes Hogan does come in, and, you know, Clean House, but the bad guys do manage. I think he for whatever reason I'm forgetting the moment now. I don't even want to go back and look at it, but Piper does end up coming back in and are all four men. Yeah, that's right, you, you know, know. That confusion where yeah. storylines can play out now. That's right. Chaos. And for whatever reason Hogan gets sort of Taken out by the referee, he's kind of out of well, the picture.
2: Remember that um, there's a whole bunch of like, uh, there's uh, again with the, with the weirdness. Now, this isn't all Piper, or right? I don't know what's happening. We have our heels, yeah, holding Piper's arms. Yeah, that's what I was trying what? to say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah, Kamala, you off. Yeah, Kamala, like, I so Piper's
3: she... punching Orndorf, and then Kamala sneaks up behind him and yeah. grabs his arm, and there's a big delay, like, they don't know what they're gonna do, but then Piper, Awkward. like, or, or uh, uh, pardon Orndorff really winds up and you know. You know, measures his punch and nails him, nails Piper, and then he immediately turns well, him you, around and grabs him <laughs> with
2: that length of time. Did yeah. you not be like Piper ducks, Kamala takes the bump? Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It was see, and then Piper takes the hit. So it's yeah, like, what the was hit. the big? Because it was almost like. Orndorf was like, looks at the crowd or is like, you know, does a, ooh, I'm really going to get him, yeah, which is yeah, like yeah. your cue for like, <laughs> no, you're work. not. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then P- Piper takes it. Yeah. So there was some confusing. And then they uh, get to
3: where they're supposed to be at, which is that, you know, it should be. It should be Orndorff holding Piper, uh, Piper and then Kamala delivering the blow. And in some of the poor camera work, <laughs> just in the, in the most important moment, the camera switches over to kimchi and, and, and the wizard. And we got to see that forehead. Yep. And then when we come back, we've just missed Kamala clobbering Orndorff because the Piper's overhead. moved. Yeah. yeah the, big, be- the big overhead chop. Yeah. And Hogan just dives on top of Piper from this one chop, and Piper, not Piper, on top of Orndorff, Piper starts beating up Kamala to, you know, keep him out of the way, and there's a three count. And it's kind of like the match is over, and I was like, I would have liked to have seen Orndorff take more
2: of a finishing blow than just one overhead chop. By accident. Well, it was uh, way more fun to watch Orndorff in this tag team tournament than, uh, yeah. you know, that. now you get, you get a, Orndorff fans had to be disappointed in this match because um, he gets to beat up on Piper for a bit and that's, you know, kind of fun.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they look good fighting each other earlier in the match. I think I noted to myself, like, oh, this looks like that. Yeah. Here's that feud again. Like, Of course. You know.
2: And like, we can't get enough of that. Yeah. And like, we can't get enough of, of, of Hogan and Orndorff still. Yeah, we want to see Hogan and Orndorff. Yeah, exactly. We're not tired of it, like we're you know like Savage versus Steel, but because it's different. So uh, yeah, we I was like wanting that. I wanted Hogan to sell for Orndorff, and he didn't really. uh, Hogan didn't take any beats, so uh, it was not you know uh, this. And also, the last time we had that wonderful after match shenanigans. Yes,
3: this is where the key difference is
2: yeah so last time when Piper's done beating up the guys he hates because Hogan also hates him Piper's like yeah Hogan well, I hate you and he like blows a hooker yeah. and gets, flips, him the yeah, bird. flips him the bird and <laughs> leaves, him, <laughs> leaves him to get beaten up by yeah. the heels <laughs> it was really cool there was this awesome tense moment like yeah. is Hogan gonna get left laying you know yeah. kind of like a Bundy Morocco avalanche thing and like yeah, yeah. It, and Piper was the guy to say like I'm out of here and, yeah yeah you're on your own <laughs> putting Piper back in the super heel town oh, No, totally yeah it was really tense and great storytelling and this one they're Just like it's super friends.
3: Yeah, they, the match, when the match ends and the music's playing, you know, they're shaking hands, they're hugging, they're, you know, great buddies. I get it. They're kind of doing a farewell tour here with Piper leaving and want him to be cheered and don't want the focus. They want that to be the focus. They don't want the focus to be like this resentment between the two or whatever it is but it's it's less enjoyable than that previous match with Harley Race and Paul Orndorff and this built-in long brewing feud between Hogan and Piper even when they're on the same side they're still against each other and then here it's like they're best friends.
2: Yeah. So, too bad about that, but I'm sure the, you know, crowd in Philly were just along for the ride, the spectacle, all these superstars, all this action and uh yeah. you know, it all happens so fast, you know, that you, you're sort of like you know, they, yeah, they've they probably forgotten absolutely everything about it. You know, the people who were there, you know, in Philadelphia on that night in 1987, they're like, oh, yeah, Piper and Hogan. Yeah.
3: So as this broadcast goes off the air, it's kind of neat. You can hear them advertising the closed circuit op- option for WrestleMania 3 at the Spectrum. Like, you can go to Philadelphia Spectrum to watch WrestleMania 3, closed circuit, you know, and they're talking about that. So I like hearing that in the, over, you know, the ring announcer or whatever. And they close it out. And again, this is uh, the final time working for Ken Resnick. With uh, Dick Graham and kind of goes out. And I uh, like. Also,
2: I believe it wasn't the
3: first time working for <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> May might, might be. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But his final time working for the WF is what I actually meant. But yeah. So that's going to wrap up the Philadelphia portion of our show. But we've got this amazing night, the next night in Toronto, and it's a tag team tournament. It was hidden from us, and we've uncovered it. We've dug it up, we've put it together, and wow. we're going to get there now.
0: Ken Resnick here at Rilla soon busy elsewhere. The World Wrestling Federation got a big thing coming up at the end of the month as we're talking about.
1: Sunday afternoon, March 29th, WrestleMania three Pontiac Silverdome, the largest indoor event in the history, sporting event, whatever. Over ninety thousand to witness twelve great matches, highlighted by Andre the Giant against Hulk Hogan for the heavyweight title. Unless you title got pick. the bread
0: to get out to uh, Pontiac, Michigan, you see it right here at the Spectrum. Get your tickets now. Well, we'll be working with you again, my soon, my friend, uh, as soon as possible. And May 9th, we'll be back here at the uh, Spectrum. This is Dick Graham for Ken Resnick. Hope you have a good, good month. Enjoy your wrestling. See you, everybody. <laughs>
3: March 15th, Toronto, Canada, Maple Leaf
2: Gardens, and the WWF version of what we love, the Crockett Cup. Absolutely. Another man has passed away, and it's time for a tournament, so tag teams, and uh, this time is oh yeah, Crockett, well we got McMahon, or who's the... So it's Frank Tunney Sr., which I believe is the is the uncle
3: of Jack Tunney. <laughs> Jack Tunney, ha! You ain't gonna get a dime out of him. That's right. So, yeah, they're just kind of following up with what they did with Crockett. And, you know, it's again, it's an eight-man tournament. It's not an eight-team tournament. It's not a 24-team tournament. But, hey, we were starved for tournaments. So I'm gonna look back and say that, in my experience from tournaments, there was the Wrestling Classic, there's WrestleMania 4 and then there's like the 1990 like Intercontinental Tournament after Warrior wins the belt and it's vacated and Mr. Perfect wins the tournament, right? Which is not a one-night tournament, it's a multi-week tournament on TV. With that in mind, from the WF perspective, there was no tournaments. Now, we know from looking through material there was things like uh you know these early King of the Rings. Well, these weren't recorded. These aren't available to watch. There was like the Sam Muchnick tournament we read about the WF ran one where you know, Harley Race won a tournament in St. Louis, beating Ricky Steamboat in the finals. Again, not available to watch. So I think that I've heard of this tournament before, but I didn't think it was available to watch. So the fact that there's a tournament, 1987, like two weeks before WrestleMania three, there's a tag team tournament. I just, I can't believe the my mind as a little kid would have been like, you know, exploding. Ah, my mind right now is exploding. <laughs>
2: Tell me more.
3: Okay, so first we're going to I found a blog page actually of somebody who was at the event. They they claim it was their first ever live event and so they've got all these memories of it. So we'll just let's talk about the teams first and then we'll talk a little bit about some other stuff. So in no particular order, there are I would say there's four good guy teams and four bad guy teams, but it's a little bit interesting the way it rolls out. So we've got the British Bulldogs coming off of their title loss and before WrestleMania 3. Dynamite's back to wrestling, but I'm assuming he's still hurting a bit. We've got the Killer Bees, who we talked about earlier in the show. We've got what's supposed to be the American Express, U.S. Express Two, Dan Spivey and Mike Rotundo. But as we've talked about, Mike Rotundo has hit the bricks; he's gone. So he's going to have a, a replacement partner, which we'll talk about in a second. And we've got the Can Am Connection. So on paper, like those four teams, that's like that's four pretty good good guy teams. Like, yeah. And p- pardon me. The whole idea here is we've got quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. The winner of this tournament gets a title shot that night against the Heart Foundation. Oh, that night. That night. Oh, yeah. what a cool stipulation! Yeah, so you got to win three wow. matches and then you get a title shot.
2: Oh wow! I <laughs> tell you, baby, he'll be gassed. They'll have nothing left. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, let's look at our heels. So we're looking at Demolition. Pretty accent new to the company, smash, but it's, yeah. the, it's the proper and smash. You know, it's the we don't have a we don't have a Moon Rex in there or anything like that. We've we've got. Barry Darso, we've got Smash, with proper one. We've got a Heenan family team. We've got King Kong Bundy teaming up with Paul Orndorff.
2: That's amazing. So good. Wow.
3: The Wizards on hand, I think. I don't know if he's there as a manager or not, but Kamala and Sika are a team. That's a great team. Yeah, that's a big, mean, Uh. nasty team. And then one of my favorite duos, Don Morocco and the Cowboy Bob Orton. Wow, what a stacked tournament. Yeah, so hey, like we talked about how stacked that Crockett Cup looked and there was 12, 14 great teams and then there were some ham and eggers, but this is pretty good for eight teams and yeah. this and and technically the Heart Foundation's kind of involved because they're the prize at the end, right? Well, so
2: Actually, I I think this is better than the uh, This
3: this this top so 9 and that, that top 9 is probably pretty close, but it definitely doesn't we don't have any uh, DJ Peterson or... <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, now
2: listen, when I get the a steak... Twins. Yeah. I like my steaks with flavor. Do not trim the fat. But when it comes to a tag team tournament, you can trim some fat. That's yeah, right. That's <laughs> okay with me.
3: So that's really neat. So one of the things that this gentleman talked about on his little blog post is that they used Billy Red Lions on the weekly syndicated TV for several weeks before this event to hype the matches, the tournament, you know, inter, you know because the local promos, right? And he said that there's two, there was two big changes. One is, of course, Mike Rotundo is not in this tournament. There's a wrestler named Jerry Allen who's put in his place, which is a huge step down in terms of like credibility for the WWF audience. He's going to be seen as enhancement talent, not not top guy. Right. So that kind of, you know, Pops that balloon a little bit. And then the second thing is apparently, and he doesn't give any details, apparently the brackets changed. So they had advertised certain matchups, and he said he wrote out, he handmade out his own little like sheet to follow along. And then he had to like t- take his pen and write, do arrows to like move people around because that's not what ended up happening. So some of the matchups,
2: you know, apparently end up being different than what we expected. Well, uh the whole thing is just blowing my mind. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> you know, um, I can't wait to find out, okay, who wins. so we're gonna
3: we're gonna lay out this just who the matchups are for the first round and then we're gonna go through the matches as we can I, again in no order here. we've got round one killer bees are gonna face off against Kamala and Sika. We've got this one is the one that really got me. this is the one that interested me, which we'll get to in a bit. King Kong Bundy and Mr. Wonderful versus Orton and Morocco. Wow, heel, heel versus heel. heel. yes, amazing. Love it. love it. so that leaves us with the bulldogs versus demolition. yep. Wow. That's pretty cool. And then we've got the Can-Am connection versus what's supposed to be the US Express, but it's actually Danny Spivey and Jer- Jerry Allen.
2: Well, how interesting that they went face versus face and heel versus heel. I love it.
3: Yeah. Again, flashing back to the wrestling classic, we had Funk and Moondog Spot where like bad guys fighting each other in the first round. And Ricky Steamboat fought Davey Boy Smith in the first round. So that was yep. like, there's a, a little bit of a, let's say... A precedent here for this kind of thing,
2: absolutely. I recall it well. Too bad we, I wish that the uh, Steamboat Davy Boy Smith match had lasted a little longer.
3: We had almost all of the matches in that tournament were over in like a minute, two minutes, mm-hmm. three minutes. They were quick, you know, there's a couple longer ones, but yeah. uh, but you're right, it did, you know, we a 10 minute match between those two at that time would have been so amazing.
2: Now, did JYD he walked away with the the, the win, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Beat Savage in the final. Yeah, and and, and it's Savages probably, probably one of the only
3: times in the history where the good guy got
2: the buy. <laughs> ah, and that's where also Corey's favorite and my favorite meet in a meaningful way. Randy Savage and Dynamite Kid have an amazing match. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that's about as close as our two. Corey's favorite thing in wrestling is, wait, no, sorry. Yeah, your Bulldogs is your yeah. favorite thing. That's, yeah, right. that's right. And my favorite yeah. thing is Randy Savage. Combined, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they, and they pull off a hell of a fucking match Dynamite Kid and Randy Savage. That's and right. The class, and the wrestling classic. So good.
3: Yeah. We'll find our way back there one of these days. So it's pretty good. It's a pretty g- good rental back in the day. Okay, we're going to cover these four quarterfinal matches, and I don't care what order we go in.
2: So, Jeff, hit us up. Which match are we going to do first? Okay, well, we do get to talk about jumping Jim Brunzel some more, so may as well keep going with that. And uh, he gets to team up with B. Brian Blair against these two monsters. The Wizard actually, <laughs> unfortunately, does not make an appearance.
3: You know, often the managers didn't make it up to Canada. They didn't always travel with their, uh, you know, their charges, so to speak. So sometimes they were there, sometimes they weren't.
2: Well, I know where they are. They're all on the microphone. Jimmy Hart and Johnny V are both on Commentary. They're uh, chatting up a storm, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, uh, as that's right, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. The mo- they're they're in, they're present in person, right? And uh, Gorilla Monsoon's, you know, got to deal with with both of these larger than life personalities. <laughs> right. So uh it's it's pretty great. I mean, they're both uh big talkers. And I I do think we also we might even see Mr. Fuji tonight. So I think maybe the wizard might have split or something at this point.
3: Okay. Yeah. He at some point obviously the management of those wrestlers goes away from
2: the wizard. He does take off at some point. I'm not aware when. Well, at some point, I probably have a note if I don't if I Gorilla Monsoon makes this mistake that I was making over and over and over again. He said, the grand wizard, but no, <laughs> nobody can wreck some.
3: one need Roth around. Yeah.
2: It may not be now. It could be later. But anyway, I do remember that distinction that he says that. But he also starts ribbing the heel managers right away. Before the action begins, Gorilla Monsoon is like saying to, to Johnny V, he's saying that the killer bees are in the top. Three contender spots for the, uh, for the belts. Of course, I didn't know the context of this was a tournament for a title shot. That's right. Yeah. And so maybe Gorilla's referring to some sort of seating that didn't actually, and, 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 uh. He's ribbing Johnny V. He said the Dream Team's not in that top three. Yeah, that's right. And Johnny's, you know, pretty angry about that. I mean, he's, but he just blusters and yeah, has so some just, kind I of. Just
3: pause you for one second there. Just think about this. We talked about this in the Crockett Cup. Like, who wasn't in this? Like, we, we don't have the Dream Team. You know, there's other tag teams that we don't, that aren't even represented. Like, that's, you know, that's pretty good that we have that many teams. Now, I mean, I think the Sika Kamala thing isn't something I would immediately come to my mind. I wouldn't, that's not the first thing I would think of is like, hey, let's put these two wild
2: beasts together and. Same with Bundy Orndorf. Yeah, exactly. And love it. Yeah. But it would have been nice to have, I mean, like, let's see, the Islanders are competing. The Islanders aren't. Yeah, they, well, they're, they're not They're they in could The, the yeah. Rougeos. Exactly.
3: So, like, look at all these teams. Yeah.
2: So, they did a pretty good job. The only problem would be, I guess, this uh, watered down U.S. Yeah. Express. <laughs> I remember 2. that one Cyrus oh. Made a event. I went over it and I was like, I figured it out and I'm like, the W F has three tag teams.
3: <laughs> like they were at that one point in time, right. they literally had like like Sheik and Volkov and like there was almost nobody. Yeah, well,
2: they could have been in this tournament. They're exactly, wrestling. that's another. I just just name them. Yeah, exactly. They're still around. Wow. <laughs> 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 Maybe we could have used uh, you know another bracket, yeah, and then right. you know fill in some jobbers make there some too. Six, make the sixteen team tournament <laughs> exactly. As it goes, we get another splendid performance by Jim Brunzel, and uh, he he seems to be the hero of the show. In uh, some ways for me, again, they have these sneakers, not the wrestling boots, and no masks will make an appearance. Spoiler alert. So Jim Brunzel starts out with Sika, and these guys are really outweighed. It's it's not a natural combination, the uh, Kamala and Sika, but on the other hand, they're both big men, and yep. uh, and that works, so uh, I, I'm pretty... Uh, content with, with these two guys coming in as a tag team. And Sika's got a never-ending list of tag team accomplishments. <laughs> Absolutely. And Kamala, he was in the beginning of the Colosseum video. <laughs> the massively outweighed Jim Brunzel gets locked up in a collar and elbow with Sika, and he gets pushed into the corner, gets away. Another collar and elbow results in a headlock by Jim Brunzel. Sika is grabbing all kinds of hair, but the referee sees that, and so he's slapping at Sika's hands, you know, not allowing these uh, illegal tactics. Jim should tactics. be grabbing some hair
3: because nobody's got more
2: hair than Sika. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why I had to take a look at my notes. So I was like, all I can think about yeah, is yeah, Sika's yeah. big. You want to pull some hair? I'm going to pull some hair. He's got some big frizzy hair, yeah. But no, Jim Brunzel, he's a gallant obeyer of the laws and the rules. <laughs> and so he's a hero athlete from White Bear, Minnesota. However, Sika does push off Jim Brunzel and gives a shoulder block that Jim oh man he just takes it and drops to one knee yeah, it's, yeah. you know it's pretty good he looks hurt and like he sells this shoulder block for the next three minutes so much <laughs> so that he, he actually sits down on Brett's rope in yeah, his yeah. own corner and B. Brian Blair is like you all alright you alright holds out his hand for a tag and everything <laughs> off this one shoulder block wow <laughs> it was completely like you know that uh, what was that a mosquito just like <laughs> yeah um, Sika didn't feel Jim's run right into him and it was pretty great to see just one shoulder block and that'll be like the framing of the first you know two minutes of the match (laughs) Jim Brazil decides to stay in the match but he's definitely rubbing at his collarbone and his shoulder and just grimacing and like that really hurt just one little bump runs into a solid brick wall named Sika. So Jim Brunzel gets in there and of course how is he going to deal with this monster? Well you're going to take uh, away one of those weapons that arm. You know you grab a wrist, twist those arms, twist yeah. it, break it and uh, <laughs> keep the big man from clobbering you. So Jim Brunzel is, is a typical face work where we see this a lot. That's uh, that's how you can uh, you know dictate the pace of the match and that's so nice. that's what Jim Brunzel does use against the monster Sika from uh, the dynasty and, and the, the Fuji Island a family that had so many wrestling heroes. <laughs> when I say Fuji, I don't mean uh, Mr. Fuji. Right. I mean the Samoan Islands, I guess, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm, oh boy, I should get myself a. An atlas, because I don't know my Fuji Islands from my Samoan <laughs> Islands. or something, Fujian or something? Fujian? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, no wonder I get confused, because Mr. Fuji, he's on the scene. That's right. Maybe not at this moment. <laughs> the other thing that the good guys have to do is tag. I mean, this is Jim Brunzel, after all. He's a tag yeah, yeah, team yeah. specialist. That's not right. only has he got the best dropkick in the business, he's uh, he knows how to work those quick tags and keep the action flowing. That's so right. B, Brian Blair, gets into the ring. His first move is to run the ropes while Brunzel... Hangs on to that arm twist and yeah. then does a big jumping, leaping, kind of bionic elbow on the seeker's yep. arms before Jim Brunzel, you know, gets out of the ring and before he gets in too much trouble. <laughs> so all that gallantry, you know, is like, hey, they're fighting <laughs> <We know>. monsters. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you got
3: to do a little, he's got a five count. Yeah, all this, all this uh, good guy tactics, he won't break the
2: law, except for when it comes to a certain mask. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, is any face team is going to have to break the rules to pull some cool face moves, that's you know?
3: Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the cool double team moves, like that awesome somersault punch from the Rock and Roll Express that we looked at recently. We get some nice vocalizations from Sika He's uh, he's no Iron Mike Sharp, but he's not silent either. He's selling the pain, you know, from the uh, from the killer bees attack. Now Kamala, he just he loves to climb that top rope. So a lot of times he's reaching for a tag and like leaning. He's actually got his foot yeah, on yeah. the second That's rope, right. yes. on, or on the bottom rope, and then his other foot's on the second rope, and it looks like he's climbing up for a top rope attack. And like so, the, the bees are got one eye on Kamala, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you know this this near this four hundred pound Ugandan giant is known for coming off the top rope with a belly splash and sending people home. On a stretcher. That's right. That they've been pulling that angle. So we have more face tags, B. Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel keep the action fresh by grabbing an arm, twisting it up and getting the other guy into the ring. Eventually though, so he could just, you know, like, you know he's he's, he's bringing home the uh, mammoth he killed for the family. And he's just <laughs> he just, just walks over to his, no problem, he can drag that and two more mammoth, you know, a flea pulling a freight train. That's so he, right. <laughs> you can't really stop him. You know, So he goes and tags Kamala because the match is early and he's not really hurt. No. He's just been like prevented from doing damage is all that's been, he's been controlled that's tied all. up a bit. tied up and controlled, but not damaged at all. So he's like, all right, yeah. I'll give Kamala a try. So he just basically, <laughs> unimpeded, goes and gets tagged. And hey, guess what? It's John Bonello. We're in Toronto. Ah, uh-huh. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So Kamala's in the ring. And I, I, this is the point where Monsoon, they're asking about the wizard. And he makes the flub because he's wondering, where is the wizard? And then Monsoon says he sold all his interests to Mr. Fuji.
3: Makes sense. Yeah.
2: So Kamala and B- Brian Blair. Have a collar and elbow, but uh, actually, B. Brian Blair is smart, so he ducks under those big, <laughs> huge, hundred and fifty pound heavier than him, and he gets a great pop just from like little quick, sneaky, like yep. staying out of Kamala's grasp. Kamala tries to get a handle on B. Brian Blair again and they do the same shtick and then Brian does a little belly slapping of his own yeah, to, to taunt yeah. Kamala. Yeah, Hogan and get, was doing that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess it's hard to not do when like, Kamala's got a great shtick and oh, he, yeah. he commits to the bit, hats off to a real theatrical performance and a guy who is, is fooling everybody. That's right. And again, I love his entrance music. I, I don't recall whether we got it. We probably did, but it's just like, yeah. it's great. When His entrances are awesome. The, he didn't look Evil, but he sure looks scary, He's yeah, yeah huge yeah, yeah. and that, and that music, oh, that was a good one that theme song, but unfortunately, for B Brian Blair, Kamala does lay some of these huge forearms into his neck and shoulders and back and gives him a headbutt, and B Brian Blair hits the mat. Kamala picks the much smaller opponent up off the mat and delivers a body slam. And these are all devastating when a guy outweighs you by almost 200 pounds. Right. Kamala leans back against the rope. He doesn't so much run towards him as he like takes a couple steps back and bounces off them. Goes for a big splash and, boy, could the match be over <laughs> yeah. already? But thankfully, B. Brian Blair rolls out of the way and Kamala hits nothing but canvas. Splat! B. Brian Blair gets a tag and we get the two fellas attempt a... Oh, okay, you know what? Oh, okay, I I, uh, I missed a bit here, so shoot. Problem is, after the belly slaps, I neglected to call the action correctly. B. Brian gets some kicks in and he decides to try to body slam Kamala. He does, he <laughs> yeah, tries yeah, to yeah. body slam, but he doesn't succeed. Oh, no, no. It's a setup. Yeah. Because a few moves down the road, the couple of spots that I called yeah. out of order. Yeah, apologies, yeah. everybody, and apologies to our editor. <laughs> <laughs> then when he tags in Brunzy, the two of them pick up Kamala that's and right. we get a killer B double body slam. Oh, nice. They're, they're able to do a full Hyper Norton up. style. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's really good. So that's the payoff of the setup nice. Why Brian Blair was trying to body slam foolishly Kamala on his own earlier. <laughs> Sika comes into the ring. He gets a few shots, and he gets chased out by the rep, of course. So the crowd's starting to get really excited. All the uh, action is is going their way, and the baby faces are are putting these these giant heels. I mean, there is that so far. There isn't a lot of dastardly tricks. Kamala doesn't pull out a fork and start carving your forehead. <laughs> it's not and like, sheik. Yeah, exactly. But it is absolutely kind of like the underdogs, the underbees. That's for sure. The, the underbees. The, yeah, <laughs> underoos. <laughs> So we have quick face tags and arm ringers still and uh, I believe Kamala's in the ring but Kamala, he uh, decides okay, he's had enough of he's been body slammed and uh, controlled so he straightens out his hand in that knife edge karate chop and just an upward thrust really takes out B. Brian Blair and boom, then a little side mule kick or a reverse thrust, Gorilla Monsoon calls it and B. Brian Blair is definitely already hurt uh, because this guy's so big he rams his head into Sika he takes B. Brian Blair (laughs) and walks him over to heel town Yeah. And like instead of the turnbuckle, he rammed on (laughs) on to seek his head because, you know, somehow he's got this coconut crushing power on that uh, Samoan forehead of his. They uh, use the top rope to choke B. Brian Blair and, and Kamala actually is able to get his leg up onto Blair's shoulder.
4: Okay. Yeah. So
2: he's like pushy. So Yeah. Blair is draped over the top rope, and yeah. Kamala's got one head on, one hand on the back of his head, and, and then he brings his, his foot up too. He's very agile, great balance on Kamala, right. very agile. Kamala heads to the outside. Sika is working B Brian Blair. He's chopping the throat. Now I'm not sure why Kamala goes outside. <laughs> Probably back to his post, grabs his rope. Yeah. So it's not outside action, a floor. Right. Just uh, he resumes his proper place, awaiting uh, a legal tag. So he has learned this much of uh, <laughs> of the of the sport of wrestling that he's got to go back and grab a rope and yeah, yeah, and wait yeah. to be tagged in. Yeah,
3: the idea of him in tag teams, as we saw this episode, is kind of silly, but <laughs> yeah, because he
2: always looks kind of bewildered. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, he well, doesn't he needs even to be know. Kind
3: of directed and led, and just yeah, like, get him. You know,
2: like. That's right. Now, I haven't mentioned kimchi yet. I guess we haven't got one because I haven't, you know, well, they like he said that all the stuff was sold to Mr. Fuji, but they haven't particularly referenced kimchi. And since I haven't made any reference to kimchi, yeah. I don't know if he's here. Yeah. So now the heels take over. Even though they're so much bigger, that, I don't know why they would do this. They resort to chops to the throat <laughs> and eye rakes. Uh, the kicks are not wrestling moves, but hey, everybody does it in wrestling matches. So um, kicks are, you know, frowned upon by referees, but uh, they still happen. What what wrestling match, you know, didn't have a single kick? Exactly. They're building the hot tag. Jim Brunzel's on the apron watching. His buddy, B. Brian Blair, take a beating at the hands of this tag team, now led by Mr. Fuji. Blair attempts a rally, and he punches the big man. Sika eats a second punch, and a third, <laughs> and a fourth. The crowd's getting excited. A fifth, a sixth. Oh, you can eat buffet of fists. Yeah. And after the seventh punch, Seeker rakes the eyes of B. Brian Blair. And that's the end of that rally. And then he goes for an AWA back rake. The Finger Rake Express draws those Samoan claws down the back of B. Brian Blair. Blair falls to his knees and he's in the Willem Dafoe platoon pose. Ah! You know, before he gets lit up and they leave him behind. He's like, and the music swells. no, no. Just yeah. And Sika closes in and chokes our poor Vietnam vet. Wait, no, no, wrestler. <laughs> Tags in Kamala. Kamala comes in, kicks B-Brian Blair, headbutts Blair. Blair is on the mat. He's been clobbered, battered by these two guys. But Kamala's not dumb on them. He picks him up, and hangman choke lifts him off the ground yeah, and yeah. suspends him high up in the air, just giving her, oh, poor Blair. He looks like he's, he's right out of there. But he manages... To try a rally on this big man, B. Brian Blair starts. It's it punches and bunches. He gets right. six big fists out to Kamala wow. before again. And I poke this time. <laughs> if you can't rake him, poke him. Right. So <laughs> B. Brian blinded one more time by these big baddies. <laughs> Betty bought a bought some but- butter, butter, but said she this butter's bitter. Okay, so we get more of those knife edge karate chop style strikes to the throat. The, the 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 crowd is just dying for Brunzel to get in there and, and give B. Brian Blair some relief. <laughs> and they pull the old Blair does manage to get a tag, but it's the old artful yeah. the heel comes in to cause trouble, the ref gets that's directed right. John Bonello. Yep. And then so Brunzel's in and John Benello's like, Oh no, you don't get out of here. So <laughs> this is how you build the excitement for the hot tag, and that's we get that we get that bit. Kamala's smarter than we thought because he, <laughs> he's the one who's like distracting John Benello. That's right. Then we get a really fun heel bit where one bad guy holds the other face or holds the face helpless while the, the second heel bounces off the ropes and gets some momentum for a big clobber. And we and that's what we have here. Brunzel is helpless as Sika is holding him and Kamala charges in for a big crash. But uh-oh, <laughs> Blair's got enough wherewithal to get out of the way and Kamala collides with Sika. Uh-oh. And here's where you think like, uh-oh, maybe these two guys might turn on each other. But not so much. Brian Blair crawls to his feet. The side headlock is applied by Sika onto B. Brian Blair, whose health bar is in the red. If they can get him down, you know, they'll get a three count. He's just been that beat as far as the ability. Even without, you know, a finisher would, like, of course, make it uh, be the icing on the cake. But he's, you know, seems ready to go down. Right. Out of nowhere, this headlock that Sika has on B. Brian Blair, Blair pushes Sika off. But he gets a tag on Brunzell while Sika oh. is being, you know, pushed into the running the ropes. So yeah. uh, Sika obliges and lets go of the headlock. Hits the ropes. Blair hits the mat so that Sika's got to jump right. over him. And Jim Brunzell delivers his world class dropkick, nice. best in the business, right on the chin of Sika. Fabulous. Kamala comes in to try to break up the pin, but no. Blair runs interference. Benello comes over and Jim Brunzell gets a one, oh. two three Sika does not kick out of this oh, fabulous awesome. finisher drop kick and Brunzel looks as excited as he would be if he had taken that belt off of Bockwinkle he is <laughs> so pumped man and it's just fucking great that's cool to see yeah it was I thought um, for
3: sure would be a, a disqualification on the heels <laughs> no <nope>. clean
2: <laughs> pin beautiful you know this is the, the killer bees at their best nice yeah. yeah, they get their finisher over like a legitimate heel team. Monster heels. No jobs, no jobbers here. And like, and, no. and bless Yushika for doing, for you know, for doing the job for these guys. Because yeah. it's a tournament which allows you to save face. See, these are places where you can lose without really damaging your long-term. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's some, like a two out of threes sort of exception. Like, you know, it doesn't hurt you as badly to, to lose in a tournament. That's right. So cool. uh, what fun.
3: Yeah, okay. We have three more quarterfinal matches, and some of them we'll cover in depth, and other ones will be very short. So stick with us. The second match in the first round is this interesting babyface versus babyface team, which would have been so great if it could have been the proper US Express version of Spivey and Rotundo. We know Rotundo's gone. That's not what we're getting. We're getting...
2: Well, the proper version of well, US Express. Of course, Express of course. Barry Windham and a, Mike
3: Rotundo. Thank you very much. We're getting kind of greedy here. <laughs> 87...
2: Barry Windham's got big things going on right now. Uh, I know. If you're, just, if you're just gonna say the proper U.S. Express, yes, I gotta say, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not taken away from Dan Spivey, but no, no, yeah. not at all.
3: Yeah, I. This is a, the downgrade of the downgrade. Thank you. <laughs> it's a downgrade and then a drop off a cliff. Yikes! Yep. So this is listed as being an international taping. So it was recorded for TV, but for the international audience, it was the one match when I went through all of these things that I actually couldn't find a recording of. So we don't have a blow by blow. I can tell you that the Can-Am Connection won the match and that it showed that Tom Zink pinned Jerry Allen at the crossbody block at like 1031, let's say. So um, would have been interesting to watch. We don't get to watch it. And it kind of shortens up our. We have a lot of matches on our show. This show, so it's the War of 1812, baby. Yeah, that's Score right. one for the Canadians. Yeah, that's right. So we'll we'll cheer on our uh, half Canadian, half American team, the Ganem Connection, to beat out the you know the supposedly real okay. U.S. Yeah, team. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, the whole thing's
2: three quarters American. So. That's right. <laughs> so much for that.
3: But that's going to lead us to a match, and this is kind of like a dream match in a way. At this time, and it's the Bulldogs versus Demolition.
2: Our beloved British Bulldogs versus Axe and Smash, the leanest and strongest looking demolition <laughs> that we've ever seen. And uh, this is our first look, as far as I know, um, of the Union Jack on their butt. The these tights, I don't. I've, I've only been seeing like the full color, but that's probably not official or anything. But uh, the Bulldogs, yeah, they have got-
3: definitely have their red version with the Union Jack on their butt at WrestleMania and at the next Saturday Spain Main Event that we're setting up for. But prior to that, you're right. I'm not sure when it would have appeared because mostly they had the, like you said, full color where they got like the bulldog and the they had like the bulldog silhouette right. would be on there. But.
2: What's our date right now? Uh, March 14th. Aha! 15th. Pre, 15th March 15th. Pre-WrestleMania. Pre-WrestleMania. Yeah. All right. So if they did wear it at WrestleMania, then it stands yeah. at, at, as a possible first look. Gorilla Monsoon points out that Matilda gets into the ring and uh, poor Jimmy Hart is sitting there on commentary (laughs) and Matilda somehow is giving the mad dog, you know, stare down to Jimmy Hart and he's looking right at you there, Jimmy. (laughs) Get that nasty mud away from me. They don't waste any time. There's a pre-Bell attack from Demolition onto uh, the Bulldogs, just as they're kind of like, yeah, they're handing Matilda to safety, Ah. you know, looking out after their poor beloved dog. Garbage. And Demolition pull an attack, and uh, no, you're not going to like it, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) They hit, they managed to hit Dynamite in his back, like, with their sneak attack so badly yeah. that Dynamite's going to be out of action for the next six or eight minutes, like... Jeez. Yeah, so basically, they throw Davy Boy over the top rope, and he lands on that ramp, you know, yeah, which yeah. is connected in Toronto. Yep. And, uh, and immediately, they're standing over Dynamite, who's got his hand on his spine, and yeah. he's on the mat, and he's like, oh, because I don't know how much storyline is... Well, I mean, they talked about Dynamite's injury, so sure, it's, yeah. you know, so you just have... Axe taunting Davy Boy And Dynamite Standing over him And you know And Dynamite You know Like in pain And like crawling around The ring It's a terrible start yeah, yeah. For our Tito get out here Our <laughs> former world champions <laughs> Like it's not looking good Like you, going into this You're like The belts are gonna go back To the Bulldogs If You know That yeah, would yeah. be what We would hope You yeah, know exactly. If this was A Coliseum video You'd be like So excited for the Bulldogs To have their shots To challenge exactly. For the belts again Like I, strange That they didn't pass Package it that way, anyway. The quest is not good for our lads as uh dynamite is on the ground. Debbie Boy manages to stand up on the apron, but he gets clobbered and hit, and he's back down to like writhing around like both bullbogs are down. and The demolitionists are strutting around the ring, and you're like, Get up, get up, you know, and like all that stuff you'd hate to see your heroes go through, you know. That's right, yeah. Dynamite kid can't get up as it goes. I had mixed up my bulldogs. I didn't know who was who, oh. and yeah, I I thought that it was Dynamite thrown out and Davy Boy taking the whooping, and all my notes are backwards until okay, yeah. a certain point. I'm like, which bulldog is, What is it? Anyway, <laughs> so tech, it is the accurate one is that uh, Dynamite, because of course you know he'll sell that uh, lower spine injury yeah. wouldn't really make as much sense with David Boy to do that for David right. Boy. So they're clubbing poor Dynamite Kid, battering him with forearms and boots. Smash gets into the ring and he kind of like. Puts a uh, not really a camel clutch, but he's twisting dynamite's neck. And you know, uh, it does a kind of like the camel clutch where you don't really sit on him so much, you kind of like get behind him and yeah, uh, it, on a knee, maybe. Or... Yeah, exactly. You want to give uh, Shiki his own special move so you don't put on a full camel clutch, but it looks like it, you know, and yeah. all but that finishing the job. So, three quarter camel clutch. <laughs> dynamite kid has got that back injury so this is not helping him at all smash let's go with that and he's laying boots in Axe tags into the ring and they continue working the bulldog's lower spine by picking up at least he's on his feet finally there we go <laughs> and they deliver a bear hug and now Axe is crushing him with his deal those huge shoulders and chest never looked bigger he's squishing poor dynamite kid as strong as he looks dynamite kid axe looks bigger and stronger and he's squishing him in that bear hug yep. this is when i realized which bulldog was which and i'm like oops wrong bulldog but you've got the right bulldog don't worry everybody <laughs> dynamite is able to somehow grab a rope so there's a break and now we get these what's approaching the trademark Demolition, where both of them will deliver axe handles, as yeah. they also kind of jump and then, yeah. yeah, and all four boots hit the hit yeah. the hit the, the the ring, making that a huge sound as all four arms yeah. club somebody in the back. And they haven't developed that because that's pretty cool. Now that yeah. I'm a now that I'm a fan of demolition, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that is one of their better bits. And when they had the um, synchronicity and the timing down, yeah. Anyway, so even, we get even, some,
3: even Andre would go down if yeah. both of them could get those clubbing clubs going at the same time that's right
2: yeah it really looked devastating so these are the early days, but we see that it's like kind of a, just one guy doing it, but he's, and he's only doing one arm, but he's starting to get that sound down yeah, with it. Yeah, figured it out. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because he's smashing down, uh, you know, what some people call the axe, you know, the yeah. forearm can yeah. be called the, you know, axe, axe handle, handle. smashes, yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. They're developing their signature mark. Now, Smash puts on the same bear hug. Dynamite Kid has not even thrown a punch. yet. Oh, <laughs> or has he? Let me see. Just go back here. No, I think he only got was a rope break. <laughs> That's all he managed. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) curse Uh, you wwf what have you done (laughs) yeah so the bear hug is squishing poor dynamite kid and we do get a face tag aha and davy boy gets in there there's a bit of double teaming but John Bonello doesn't see it so this is at least some offense because davy boy starts hitting smash as he gets in there right um but Bonello chases Davy boy out and uh it's it's back to uh you know poor dynamite kid and at one point he's face down on, on the mat and like <laughs> our baby face is down he's yeah like, exactly he's just getting clobbered he hasn't done anything he he might have done something when Davy Boy come in to uh because Smash is reeling but it was a, a false tag so yeah, that's right. we're back to our the first entry on behalf of the Bulldog team is Dynamite Kid and he hasn't been able to uh, mount any offense so far ridiculous yep the the uh, bear hug continues but finally dynamite kid at last he headbutts smash and he punches smash another headbutt and he's at last able to t- tag in Davey Boy Smith and here it gets good Okay. Oh, Davy Boy looks fucking awesome. He comes in and he starts to beat the shit out of both demolitions. <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah, it is really great. First, Axe uh, comes in and he takes a drop kick and poof, he hits the mat. Smash comes in. Oh, sorry, I got the my I got it backwards. Smash takes the first drop kick, but Axe comes in. Perfect timing. He takes the drop kick and then it's there is something slightly botchy. Davy Boy picks up Smash for a beautiful power slam, but. Axe has to pull John Bonello in between him ah. so that he's not able to protect right, his partner. Right, right, right. So you know, kind of Axe is like reeling from the drop kick and getting up, and, but he's got to yank Bonello. Yeah, yeah. Like he has a clear path to to disrupt this right. power offensive. Yeah. But he, instead he steps backwards Yanks Pinello. Yeah He's like let me at him Let
3: me at him That sounds like We'd covered a I think it's like a Hogan And Steamboat match Versus like Morocco and a couple of managers And Hogan at one point Goes over to the corner To like To, to, to break up all the cheating And but like On his way He has to like you say He has to stick his hand His arm
2: out And grab the ref Right To put the ref between him And those guys yeah. So that the ref can push him away Exactly <laughs> um, But never mind Because it's such a great spot Like I said uh, Debbie picks a beautiful Power slam on on smash and of course yes we get another incredible power slam on axe so this is oh, vintage baby wow. boy yeah like the full like running power slam over yeah. the shoulder like his the, the, finisher yeah, yeah. okay wow. fin- it basically looks like his finisher yeah, yeah on both guys wow i mean like because like remember that's part of the thing that because it takes the run you, it was something that you could mess up for a guy you could trip yeah. him or screw him up somehow that's yeah. why you know it's axe had or had to be like you know, I can't save smash. And then when he goes in there, he gets the same move. So <laughs> nice. it, it, I got to say that it's, it's worth the payoff because I mean, I didn't like how they kicked the crap out of dynamite kid, but baby boy Smith, he shines for 60 seconds of the best yeah, bulldog yeah. action. you've ever seen. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Really great. And it's not done. <laughs> Davy Boy kick smash a double noggin knocker and demolition who will be the most dominant tag team of the late 80s are reeling from just one British Bulldog we have a shoulder block and then an- another one and smash is wobbling the third one he's gonna go for he bounces off the rope and that dastardly Johnny V usually you can tell where he is from his barking and bellowing but no <laughs> he's stealthy and he trips Davy Boy Smith as he's coming off for that third yep. shoulder block and Davy goes down and uh uh, dynamite kid I guess you know loses his cool he throws a chair in the ring what? and they yeah oh. dynamite picks up a chair and it's like he's like well if I can't you know <laughs> kick or punch or wrestle well use a weapon yeah and uh, they use it they hit smash and then axe like and uh, sure enough John Bunnell sees it he's and he calls for the bell demolition bails out of the ring and Bonello's outside of the ring and he joins demolition <laughs> he's, Danny Davis is coming <laughs> Um, because he's out there, like, yeah. you know, pointing to Dynamite and Debbie Boy, and those guys are like, the Bulldogs are yelling and screaming. Protesting, but, yeah. yeah. but they are the ones who threw, exactly. you know, one trip, and they, you know, <laughs> decide to forfeit the match by th- yes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Bonello was rightly saying, like, what are you talking about? You were you used to chair. And yeah. they are like, but he tripped us. But anyway, so yeah. uh, Demolition advances, and our Bulldogs, after eight minutes of getting their asses kicked, they looked, they were on fire. It yeah. was like the way they got to beat up hammer and beefcake on that early Saturday our first look at the Bulldogs where they were so on fire and invincible, so powerful, so acrobatic. Yeah. Um it was great to see Davy Boy, you know, have all those spots put them together.
3: That's right. Yeah. I mean at this point, you know, the Bulldogs have had their run which uh, upon closer inspection we found a lot of matches that didn't look very good they were the champs and they left the the champs but <laughs> they got beat up by the heart foundation they got a beat lot. up by she volkov so yeah but I, I coming into this of course i saw the results before i watched the matches so i was kind of like okay i get it they're trying to put over some other teams and it's somebody else's turn to to get to win those things. But of course, greedy me, like I just want them to win. I want them to... <laughs> they should be the champions. They should be winning this tournament. They should be fighting the Hart Foundation at the I end of the I believed
2: it. I thought the Bulldogs were going to get the belts back and they really should have had the... You know, why not? Like they should have had... There was something about them that was exciting and unique and they should have been distinguished at least as two-time champs.
3: Yeah, there's, there's definitely room there for them to have figured something out, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I wasn't really a huge fan of strike force at the time so when i saw them get the titles i was like why couldn't that have just been the bulldogs <laughs> Yeah, like
2: what's going on here yeah of course it was more of a reset martel gets its world tag team belt like what did we know that like this is the natural yeah, yeah. order of things
3: yeah for sure for sure okay so we got one quarter final match left and we'll continue on in the tournament It's time for the fourth and final match of the first round and the matchup that really caught my attention and made me so excited about these matches that were coming up before I even realized they were part of a tournament in the heel versus heels. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and King Kong Bundy teaming up against Don Morocco and Bob Orton. And it was just just seeing those names on paper. I was like, "Ooh, that's, you know, I want to see that.
2: No kidding. Unfortunately, it doesn't get billed as the Heenan family versus Jimmy Hart's Broken Bones Club Band. They're
3: with with Fuji. Orton's not really with Jimmy Hart anymore. I
2: I, know. I'm just saying it's too bad. It's it's old news. Um, Because Jimmy Hart was at one point, you know. Of
3: course, yeah. He was with Bob on Saturday's main event when he fought Piper mm -hmm. and all those things. Yeah, so this is this is one of the matches that airs on March twenty third. It's pretty funny when you look at the airing of the matches. There's like March twenty third, March thirtieth, April something, and like some of the matches are out of order. Like you see a second round match before you see a first round match, and again because in the context of the show, they're not presenting it as part of a tournament that like these matches have anything to do with each other. So
2: it should have been Colosseum Video oh, the whole yeah, tournament, the whole
3: thing. They blew it. They should have stitched in some of the you know some of the backstage, or not backstage, but the promo interviews, the local promo interviews for the Toronto area. A strange
2: choice. They to, have all uh,
3: that stuff still. They could do it. They still yeah, could do it. That's right. <laughs> I think it'd be a great little thing to put together for them, but I guess they got other things on their plate. So what we see is, of course, it's Toronto. We can see the ramp. We can see the first set of heels, the Heenan family. They're in the ring. Paul's wearing that uh, red robe of his with the sort of the silver stitching on it. Bundy's in his usual uh outfit, they're out first. And as the ring announcer's starting to announce them and and say their names and stuff like that. Oh, of note, Paul Rundorf, this the arms starting to take a toll because his weight is quite a bit down. So he was always announced at like 250, 252. He's announced at 239 here. Oh, really? And his, arm, you know, his arms smaller and that side of his body's a bit smaller and so it's notable, like you right. can see it, but he's still He's still great, and the, and the crowd really loves him, as we're going to see as we move along here. But yeah, it's interesting. The other bad guys, the second bad guys, it's neat. They're walking down the ramp as the first set of wrestlers is being announced. So there's no music for either of them, because they don't have music back then for, for those wrestlers. So that's kind of neat, watching like Fuji and Morocco and Orton walk with their back to the camera as the ring announcers saying Mr. Wonderful and King Kong Bundy. So mm-hmm. I was like, I thought that was pretty cool.
2: And there are cheers when they announce Paul Orndorff.
3: Oh, yeah. The Bundy and Orndorff, definitely right away, you can tell the crowd is for sure more into them. I do note that Morocco's got his left leg, is high high up on his thigh, is wrapped. So he's probably dealing with some kind of minor injury. And basically, we end up with Orndorff from Morocco to start. And of course, it's interesting because it's heel versus heel. But very quickly, you start to like put together like, Wait, wait a minute, this is the, you know, cowboy Bob Orton and Paul Orndorff, like the feud from like 85 and into 86. It's back on the table. Here's these former friends, former running mates. Yeah. They're going to be going head to head. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Bundy and Morocco. They attacked Hogan like, you know, not that long ago. So they were kind of buddies, and you know, now they're gonna have to go head to head and and then you know Orndorff had like many matches against King Kong Bundy during his, his baby phase run. There's all this sort of interplay of like there's not it's not just straight up good guys versus bad guys. It's all these like, wait, these guys
2: all have, you know, maybe have a bit of beef with each other and stuff like that.
3: So it's, it's kind yeah, of neat.
2: The, when I first saw this match, I didn't have any understanding that it was part of a tag team tournament title shot situation. So I wondered why are these heels facing each other?
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: So here's where we hear Jimmy
3: Hart's on commentary with Monsoon. It's really great they ask Jimmy who his favorite celebrities are for WrestleMania 3. And... They're trying to say it's one person and then he's not like, no, I think it's Mary Hart, because he just likes the idea of like the last name Hart. Yeah. And then somebody brings up Alice Cooper, and then Jimmy Hart like threatens Alice Cooper
2: because
3: <laughs> he's gonna be in the corner of Jake the Snake versus Onky Tonk Man.
2: I actually uh, like Jimmy Hart's odds in this case. <laughs>
3: exactly. After we saw his great in-ring action yep. with the funk brothers, Look at versus... Jimmy go to work. That's right. I don't like I don't like Alice's chances. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back in the ring. Basically, they start the match. Morocco and Orndorff, they exchange basically clean breaks on the ropes. And a third version of this lockup and into the ropes, Morocco takes the sucker shot. But that opens the door for Orndorff to fire off like he's the top baby face in the the promotion. Yeah. And he starts, you know, making Morocco real. And after they've traded blows for a bit, Morocco doesn't really want too much. At this point, Hart introduces uh, Johnny V back to the announced desk. It's it's a three-man booth. It's like 2020 (laughs) wrestling or something. They got three announcers, not two. And basically... Morocco doesn't want anything to do, so he tags in in Orton because he's got to get away from Orndorff. He doesn't want to exchange punches anymore. And so now we've got, like, you know, the real rivalries back in there. Orton versus Orndorff, the two ors that we always have trouble saying. (laughs) (laughs) So... Orton immediately, like out in the lockup, spins things around and backs Paul up into the corner, and it's great. He like reels back to like nail Orndorff, and Morocco's trying to grab Orndorff, so Orndorff does like total babyface move. He scoots down to his knees and he crawls through the legs, and somehow Orton like, takes a bump on Morocco. He runs himself into Morocco, like in this short distance. It's kind of all very unrealistic, but at the same time, like Orton's has so great at selling that it's just really funny that they yep. like they hit yes. each other. It's awesome, super funny. Yeah. Uh, so after that. Orton come, comes back, tries to trade blows with, with uh, Paul Orndorff. Not a good idea. Ends up body slammed, and there's a tag to Bundy. And then Paul does a neat move. He whips Orton into Bundy. Bundy's just standing still. <laughs> it's like he hits a wall and just. Yeah.
2: <laughs> fun. Yeah. So good.
3: So Orton begs off on his knees into the corner. It's so great. He's, you know, no, 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 no. So Bundy. He's like, like the odd man out here. Yeah, exactly. Everybody else is so muscular and yeah. big. And- <laughs> yeah. So Bundy comes in to get him. Orton does a little couple of moves. He has, you know, gets a slight advantage. I think there's a an eye rake or something in there, but he makes a big mistake. He tries to Irish whip King Kong Bundy corner to corner, and no, that's not gonna work. So it's a reversal, and it's really neat. Bundy like hesitates for a second, like because Orton takes a big bash into the corner. And then Bundy realizes like, aha, I got him. Yep. So he goes to charge in for the avalanche and Orton just like dives out of the ring. <laughs> like Takes this big spill, this big bump because he's like, if I stand here, I'm going to get crushed. Right. And I really love it. He comes back to the apron. The camera work is so great. He's like very cautiously like trying to crawl back into the ring. He's got his hand on the rope and he's like pulling himself up, but he's keeping his eyes on Bundy. He doesn't want to get nailed. And then because of where the camera is, you see like Paul Orndorff's lower torso walk into the frame <laughs> and then just kick Orton in the face. Like it's really, (laughs) (laughs) he has no idea it's coming. It's so funny. I was like really laughing at that. But at this point, and this is where we got John Bonello, he doesn't like this. So he's giving, he's giving Orndorff crap for his kicking Orton in the face. And Morocco comes in from behind, like, you know, little little ambush on King Kong Bundy, hits him, you know, sort of a way to, you know, how are they ever going to get the advantage on this big man? When you're bad guys, you don't have baby face fire. So how how are you going to do it?
2: Right. You got to cheat. Yeah, well, this is how Bonello caught our attention by giving Paul Orndorff right. the <laughs> business at the big event. So there's like an eye
3: rake, and the ref's escorting Dawn out of the ring, and Bundy tags Orndorf, so Bob tags Morocco, and basically now we're back to like where we started, and it's like that feud from WrestleMania two that we didn't get the way it should have been. The, the Hulkbusters. Or- Orndorf versus Morocco should have been this big thing, but they unfortunately didn't really build it up the way they could have, they didn't really make it important, and... Yeah. It's, you know, goes down goes down as a forgettable match instead of like what could have been a great blow off to a, an awesome feud.
2: Yeah, I didn't I, I don't know why I didn't enjoy Bundy so much at the time. Now I think he's just top top talent. Yeah. I so, wasn't Mark, I got to admit, you know, I was mo- <laughs> a lot of times I was doing what they wanted, but not always.
3: So now that Orndorff's back in, they basically do finally get the double team that they need in the corner and the ref gets distracted with Bundy. So there's this great choking going on behind the ref's back. Orton's like standing on the second rope to get extra leverage (laughs) and choking Orndorff. Just killing him. There's a series of stomps and Orton is tagged in. And a few blows later, Paul is sent into Morocco's waiting knee. Orton picks him up for the side backbreaker in the corner. And that's going to keep Mr. Wonderful down for a little bit. And again, they're using Bundy as a distraction to allow for more double teaming. And this is a weird spot. Orton sets up like a slingshot and Orndorf's head's under the ropes. You know, they do that kind of like, like choke move almost like where you do the slingshot and then the guy, blah, like, you know, he, he gets you, a,
2: like, you get his, uh, his, uh, his chest under and, your, uh, yeah, exactly. Under yeah. your armpits and then yeah. you fall back and the leverage him go yeah. up like, that's yeah. right.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. so he goes he's he's got it set up and he's got Orndorff's neck under the rope like and they do that I've seen that several times but he kind of bails on it I don't know why he just he just lets go of the move and then he stomps on Orndorff instead so (laughs) I don't know if Orndorff was like you know telling him to do something different or what's Ah. going on there but something looked a little bit off so at this point Orndorff starts firing body blows like to both Morocco and Orton from his knees He's, he's trapped in their corner he's trying to fight his way out Don's gonna cut him off and applies a bear hug which is going to go for a little while, so they need a little bit of a rest spot here for Orndorff to try and build some stuff up. Eventually, he does sort of start feeding off the crowd who wants Mister or- Wonderful to get out of this. So he starts landing punches, and then he goes for a few of those Jim Brunzel, the 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 arm claps, so, you know, the forearm slaps, Bashing <laughs> right. the guy's ears, you know, yeah. like, kind of thing. So that's how he's going to break this. And they basically he gets over and he makes the tag for what I would call a default hot tag. Like the crowd doesn't really know what, but they're gonna they're gonna cheer it. <laughs> well, they're
2: definitely cheering on Orndorff yeah. and Bundy. Oh, and for so sure. Yeah. They yeah. they they've, they've picked their Heroes in this yeah, match
3: early on, yeah,
2: and uh yeah, Paul Orndor falls into it naturally. It's yeah, fun.
3: and it's really funny because Morocco's in no way injured, but he just backs into the corner and just doesn't defend himself, and he's like, no, 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 and so Bundy goes into the corner, kick and a punch, and <laughs> Morocco's just taking it. And there's a corner whip and a big avalanche right. and the crowd loves it. They
2: went nuts for cheering an yeah. avalanche. It was so oh, great yeah. to see like the pop for a Bundy avalanche. Yeah. I loved it. Was it. Awesome. <laughs> oh, it was, lo- I was, mismatch is so exciting and, and like you got everything you wanted. So it's really neat. Cowboy Bob Orton comes down the apron and
3: it's great. He just reaches in and eye rakes Bundy, like, you know, to basically delay the whole idea that you know, instead of pinning Morocco, he's like, now he's got to deal with getting his eyes raked and that's, that's, that's pretty cool. And that gives Morocco time to crawl over to tag Orton. So he comes in with his great running kick to the stomach, followed up with his patented Bob Orton right hand off the ropes. And fucking Bundy takes like the biggest bump ever. He just like flies in the air straight up and then straight down on his back, flat back bump. It just looks awesome. He makes
2: Bob Orton's punch look like, you know, Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. Bundy was great at selling and so agile. Yeah generous when he chose to put you over he put over Pete Doherty that's right (laughs) what a guy in a way yeah for sure you know yeah so funny I love that match King Kong Bundy versus Pete Doherty (laughs) (laughs) yeah It makes Johnny V look like Elizabeth. That's right. (laughs) So there's some elbows
3: and a pin attempt. Bundy kicks out at two and Orton flies about three feet in the air up and about five feet over
2: and then face plans. It's like the most devastating kick out I've ever seen. Nice. I remember Bundy, like what, he was in the Battle Royal, pushed off those five guys. That's right.
3: (laughs) Don't try to pin Bundy. Well, I mean. And then he flexed too much and then he got himself eliminated. (laughs) Yeah. What? what so now after this kickout, there's an even now the real hot tag to Orndorff the crowd goes nuts for Orndorff come in and he comes in like like moving his arms like he's a baby face he's like he's like you know doing the the, yeah. the, the flip flop and fly <laughs> bang, oh man bang, he's, he's bang.
2: yep he's just selling to the crowd he's playing the baby face antics perfectly yeah, yeah. so he, fun he whips Orton into the corner in the neutral corner
3: and Orton takes what I'm, I'll call it the sergeant slaughter bump like he goes like over up top over. of the yeah, yeah. Like up and over it looks like he hits himself on the post basically right. Yeah. And then he, that momentum flies him back, and then Orndorff catches him for an atomic drop. But it's neat. He uses that momentum, and he spins. So it's like a 180. <laughs> you know, he spins in the opposite direction, bang, with this big atomic drop. It looks really Orndorff awesome. Orndorff catches him. Yeah, Orndorff okay. catches him in the It's in the so hard to drop. tell
2: whether it's Orndorff or Orton. Orndorff yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah. So <laughs> Bob. The, the, uh, Bob's getting a knee rammed up his ass. <laughs> with the temporary faces, who are really <laughs> that's, heels, that's right. are rocking and rolling, and the crowd's pumping, cheering, and screaming, and then Paul Orndorff is getting all that glory. He's looking great. (laughs)
3: yeah this is a cover attempt Don Morocco comes in with a kick to break it up so Bundy charges across the ring and batters Morocco in the corner and the ref's gonna force Bundy out opening the door for Orton to hold Orndorff while Mr. Fuji passes in the cane and they're looking for the illegal double shot but as we might expect Paul Orndorff ducks and Orton eats the cane and I, we need a statistics on this like I'm pretty sure Morocco and Orton lost a lot more matches because of this cane than they ever won yeah <laughs> I've seen them lose like a few tag matches this way like them hitting themselves with a cane
2: <laughs> well Fuji his glory days were as a tag team champion managing tag teams you know less than perfect record I mean he will have some gold yeah, but I mean right. like they were also that was one of the dumbest things ever like <laughs> give when, up your champs <laughs> yeah give up your. Yeah, that was so stupid Fuji's double when demolition and, double and, turn. and the warlord and barbarian double turn it was just a confusing mess <laughs> you should wait till after they've won the titles and then switch <laughs> yeah too bad yeah the battle of the road warrior ripoffs <laughs> yeah.
3: so yeah Orndorff pops Morocco after he's hit Orton with the cane so that knocks him out and then he dives on Bob Orton for the really quick pin one two three and the crowd gives a loud applause as you, as we've been talking about and the Heenan family exit the ramp as the ring announcer declares them a winner and, and the bad guy is you know and there are fans living.
2: reaching out for P- Orndorff yeah, and yeah, Bundy because yeah. oh, yeah. you get a better look the way the ramp is situated in Toronto. Right. Yeah, for sure. And they're like, almost, they're like, oh, God, stay, stay heel, stay heel, you know, like <laughs> one guy kind of reaches out the other one's like, ah.
3: So that's going to give us uh, semi-final matchups to come, which is going to be Demolition versus Can-Am Connection, and that means we're going to have the Bees versus our Heenan family tag teams. So that's pretty cool, Final Four, so we're going to move ahead and... Jim
0: Brunzel's awesome. on fire.
3: Yeah, for sure. we we'll back!
0: Boy, things really backfired You know, if it wasn't for Mr. Fuji, the team of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and King Kong Bundy would have won. They did win. They did win. Bundy and Orndorff won the match. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. They did win. Even though Mr. Fuji tried to turn things around in it. Sometimes those things backfire. That's what I was going to say. I thought so. See, this thing's got half static in it. This oh. thing isn't a whole lot be- This is just a phone with ear flaps. That's all this thing is. Well, what did you expect? From this operation?
2: Huh. Early days in the career of demolition, and so they ain't got any gold, but tonight they are on a hunt for the gold. But so are our friends, the Can-Am Connection, which shows that together we can do great things, Canada and America. <laughs> so keep listening, American fans. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's
3: right.
2: <laughs> Axe looks muscular and good. Oh yeah, I noticed that big
3: time, man. He's like yeah, hey, cut yeah, and like more like Strong more than he looking. is when he's when he's a uh, super machine. Yep, he's, or, we, or he, like he looked, a mass yeah. superstar. He but does. then and more than he is later in demolition. So he's got this weird window where he's just yeah. like I really noticed it in his like the yep. definition on his arms and, and his, his chest. torso, like yeah. how how narrow his waist looked compared to it's, it's yeah. bizarre.
2: Yeah, he he looks much more like a bowler in later years. Yes, and I now that you mention it, he does look. I mean like the masked superstar he never looked as, as impressive as, as this version of, no. of, of Axe and even Bill Barry Garso looks a little
3: tighter too like they both do not not like Barry's not as impressive looking as Bill is in this one but yeah. I mean he but even he, compared to himself like it just he, he, yeah. he looked a little bit more I guess they were
2: hitting the gym a lot <laughs> yeah I just wish these guys hadn't been saddled with this gimmick you know because you know there's nothing wrong with these guys except for the fact that they are the supposed to be the WWF's road warriors and they looked really cool on their way into the ring. Yeah. But when they took those masks off, my I just was like no way. Um yeah. and They do look, so now that we've had, you know, our, you know, gush session, I'm afraid to say that really Hawk puts them both to shame (laughs) (laughs) and animal isn't as sculpted. So right here, you know, Axe measures up to to, to animal in in this current, like at at the moment, you know, like I wouldn't have said that at the time. But considering what we just said about Bill Eadie and how ripped he kind of, this is the most ripped I've ever seen Bill Eadie because yeah. he isn't ripped in general, generally speaking. I never no. thought about Axe being ripped the muscle or the mass Superstar being ripped, but his arms and chest look bigger than I've ever seen them in this match. And I'm just like, I don't remember Axe looking so fucking devastating. Yeah, it looked tough. <laughs> and I had like, also the negative reaction to demolition immediately and for years. I couldn't give them any... Yeah the time of day wasn't you know didn't take me seriously i was a road warrior fan so i was just like boo to demolition but for the wrong reasons <laughs> 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 not because mcmahon was wanting me to boo i booed because they were a weak watered down i thought and here's the thing we don't purport to be a uh, a completely family show they're wearing glitter yeah yeah the, what Road Warriors ain't gonna wear no glitter yeah Strange. Now, I have mentioned before my dinner theater background and in my dinner theater background, you know, I've seen lots of people wear, you know, makeup for the show. And turns out that when you wear glitter on your skin, the stuff is kind of like so small, it goes in your pores and into your bloodstream. Oh, wow. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the classy version. You pass it. yeah (laughs) so when you're having a little you know a little wipe a little cleanup (laughs) (laughs) to the degree that and and like so I was told this by uh, a lady you know who otherwise is a classy dame but she decided to tell me about the the glittery poop god bless her anyway so we know that there's raunchy humor in the uh, drag culture and in gay culture so there's a drag band or a a drag act that just call themselves Shitting Glitter Oh, (laughs) and that's where so now poor action smash leaving you know the sparkliest (laughs) trail behind them Because they had this glitter that they put onto their shoulders. So, uh, there you go.
3: This shit not glitter. Sorry. for here. I got to do it. So, we had a big family dog that Jeff might remember a little bit of. Shelby, the big sure. shepherd collie. She was like yeah. this 120-pound dog. The wow. The most beautiful, nicest dog, but huge. And she would get into the Christmas tree stuff sometimes. So, one Christmas time, she must have eaten like a little bit of tinsel. And then my brother's out in the backyard. Because it's technically his dog, but it's one of those deals where he brought the dog home. And then it was his dog for a tiny bit. And then he just left the dog with my parents. And so you right. know and they you know it became their dog for sure and i just remember coming home or i was home and i came outside but my poor brother he had to get like a napkin because or something and the dog had a little bit of a mess on her backside and what it was is that you know, shitting glitter
2: while she's shitting tinsel oh, <laughs> and, he, and
3: he had to pull the little piece of tinsel out of her butt because it was like stuck out oh man
2: <laughs> oh at least i hope it wasn't uh, too uncomfortable for the poor dog she made a little yep. And then that was it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The humans, no sympathy for him. That's right. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Okay, so uh, that... Is we're talking about the look of the wrestlers? Of course, you know the Can-Am Connection, as all you guys know. These are two sculpted, lithe jogger plus meat. You know, well, they're body—they're yeah. bodybuilders. You know, and For like, sure. um, like beefy swimmers have the same kind of hair, if you will. I mean, they're they're brunettes, clean shaven, and uh, yeah. they there's white trunks. You know, fr- Matching, you know, yeah, similar, similar look. Yeah, so it's a very classic tag team style, clean cut baby face. And uh, in this case, not particularly shiny. No glitter, no tinsel. No, no, no. (laughs) No masks, you know. Smash is also rocking the short hair. He eventually will grow it out for his long term. Yeah, it's quite tight. Yeah, it's trimmed.
3: It's shaved down, yeah.
2: He'll, uh, the classic demolition look will be slightly different than what we have now. Yeah. It also looks like Axe could possibly have a beard because the makeup is quite dark around where you would have a mustache and and beard but um so they haven't quite settled in to uh the the demolition that I will love 15 to 20 years after they did their thing <laughs> and at the time didn't have much you know yeah. um also you do notice that the bald spot on Bill Eadie which maybe uh you know maybe that once the mask came off, everything like ball spots, glitter, yeah, yeah. you know, like he was like, These, "That's where you know things fell apart." And it made me wonder if, like, like oh, the mask superstar, you know, cover up that ball spot, like how maybe it's sort of convenient. So, we haven't gotten into the match yet, but it reminds me that Bill Eadie and Rick Martell were friends, according to Bill Eadie And then he right. said that, uh, you know, there was a time where Vern wanted to do him something dishonest. And he was like, I'm, Where's Rick? I'm not doing that. We're, hey, 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 we're going to put the belt on you. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk to Rick. Where is he? Yeah. And he's like, Don't worry about that. Here's our plan. And he's like, Well, if Rick's not here and, you know, you want to I'm just not, you know. Yeah. And so on. It, it wasn't even a good financial deal anyway. But the masks did look cool because, as Corey's has pointed out, they looked like Master Blaster or, you know, like one of the people from the road warrior movie, like the the main boss the
3: main main boss
2: because yeah. the road warriors technically look like the
3: second tier boss <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like true. you
2: know they look more like the the hedgeman the, the head head henchman <laughs> that's right and not the actual guy who wears this cool looking ho- hockey right. mask so before the masks come off demolition very impressive now there's a really funny bit with johnny valentine <laughs> who for some reason um is like trying to delay the removal of the masks. It's like he wants that intimidation factor to last. Yeah. And like it gets to the point where the referee's like, you know, beat it, Johnny V. And Johnny V's like, hey, I wanna take the masks off here. <laughs> He's like, you know, dusting <laughs> off their shoulders and, you know, making sure they're all you know, straightened out. And it gets to the point where the referee like does a count on Johnny V. <laughs> and uh, it's like, one. Two. And then Johnny's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's already like waving his arms and he does a little kind of George Steele shuffle like, ah, 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 around seven or eight where he's like doesn't know where to pop the rep when he finally jumps between the ropes on like eight or nine. It was like, you know, it was just, just a silly bit of stuff. But Johnny V, boy, I've really come to to enjoy his antics, his bellowing and his, you know, his um, exaggerated manner. So Johnny V de- uh, managing demolition is uh, is great fun. So yeah, yeah. so he's got those antics and I think it's probably John Bennell because we're certainly in Toronto. There so. was two
3: refs they were rotating. Oh, okay. And I so predict- no, it's he's, not John
2: Bonilla probably. Well, he might be it with this could one. be. He def-
3: he's in some of them.
2: Right. He's in I, some I don't have matches. a note here whether, yeah. I think she, maybe it is. There, it, we'll see. If, I, I may be able to confirm that as we get through the match. Yeah. The match itself starts with Zink getting beaten up by Smash. <laughs> you know, he takes a lot of, you know, typical clubbing big guy. I mean, he's outweighed by 60 pounds or, or you know, 70 yeah. pounds or something like that but it is interrupted by a couple of uh, beautiful double drop kicks so Martel is able to get into the ring the baby faces get sick of all these you know non-wrestling attacks that's right and they deliver some technically illegal but the crowd loves it and it's they're so synchronized and graceful all these two because each demolition gets one (laughs) you know so, um, four feet for Axe, four feet for Smash. Yeah. And then we have a hopping, clapping Rick Martel. That's right, yeah. And he's just he's <laughs> having such a great time. And it was funny. I now see my perspective on Rick Martel was like, I'm looking at that crowd thinking, you don't know who Rick Martel is. He's my AWA world champion. That's right. And meanwhile, they're like, no, you don't know who Rick Martel is. He's our WWF tag team champion. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry, pardon me. I didn't yeah. know. You're quite right, quite right. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Now yeah. I know. So Cal calls him champ, so can we? (laughs) That's right. Now, (laughs) anyway, so um, this is really his mourn. I mean, he's. I thought this was a different shtick for him, but he was going, you know, to a very familiar place, being in a tag team in the WWF and touring these cities and drawing the heat from these crowds. And they knew him very well, and they love him. Yeah, and he's helping breaking in his buddy. Martel and uh, it, lots of tags. They're twisting the arms and and uh, keeping the big guys from doing their power attacks and uh, you know their punches and forearms and kicks and and uh, the faces are able to you know show some early strategic finesse and control with these uh, locks and holds and twists in the early going. Uh, Ax gets into the ring and at one point Martel and Ax are in there and I'm thinking friends. <laughs> Looks like for a second uh, Ax is about to uh, he. Begins a rally, but uh, nope. The uh, baby faces are able to maintain control, mostly by holding on to those arms. Lots of quick tags, double-teaming. About three minutes later, the heels do take over, and they throw Tom Zink out. They uh, start using their you know fists, and Johnny pulls you know his usual bellowing. I don't have any notes here, but he's always a factor. So. Is he in the corner, or did he go back to the commentary table? Good point. He was doing a lot of talking. So he probably is, I, I don't have that noted. Yeah. So maybe that's why I don't have any notes, is he's on the mic. <laughs> on the outside, the beatings come back into the ring. There's an ad break, though, and the hot tag, we don't get to see it because once we come back, it's Martel now getting the beatings. Yeah. So we missed a, a face tag, and then, you know, the advantage once again. Go back to Demolition.
3: Yeah, just to remind people again, in case it hasn't been mentioned, the presentation of this, most of these matches are coming through on primetime wrestling, and when you actually watch them, they're not being presented as part of a tournament or anything, like commentaries, and I think that the commentary knows that going in. Like, I think Guerrilla, his position with WWE, knows, hey, this is going to air on TV in two or three weeks. Out of order, you know, this is not going to be together, so we're not going to acknowledge what this is all about. So they talk about these matches almost more like they're just qualifying, like they're just trying to, this is a match between two teams trying to become the number one contender
2: to the Heart Foundation without actually acknowledging that, you know, it's part of a tournament. Gorilla did say that both teams were putting their undefeated record on on records on the line in this match. That was part of the early commentary. They both claim to be undefeated at this point. <laughs> That's interesting, because Demolition's
3: first match in WWF was losing to the Bulldogs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Their first ever match. Because <laughs> McMahon, he'd love to catch It would be, you know, it'd be a house show, right? But it would just, one of the first things they would always do, it's, it's, you know, there's some exceptions, but for the most part, you come in, first thing you do, put somebody over. Right. They got to make sure you're not going to put up a, a fuss, you know,
2: a fight. Martell attempts a rally, and uh, we get a pinfall attempt but there's a kick out and martell's thrown to the floor himself they continue to build the hot tag but demolition does a good job of cutting the ring in half and preventing tom Zink from getting in to help rick martell the other half of the can-am connection on their quest to qualify for a title shot not that you would know it from the, what they're saying on tv one of the tags is missed because uh, smash is bugging the ref and so when Zink. Does manage to tag in. He gets chased out by the ref immediately. But a headbutt from Martel results in the hot tag. The crowd pops and Zink comes in. We get a noggin knocker. Martel doesn't leave the ring, so all four <laughs> men are swinging. And and uh, the baby faces are starting to get uh, a little bit of uh, their comeuppance. In fact, the heels are whipped into each other. The old, you know, yep. uh, I'm in one corner here and the other. And then we you know quick glance to the side and we Meet Irish whip. <laughs> The bad guys, yep. What did you call it? Meet in the middle. Meet in the middle, right. So the bad guys, they meet in the middle. And since they're heels, they can't, you know, they usually fall for it. That's right. Then Zink th- chooses to throw Axe to the floor, and he's going to regret it. He <laughs> follows them out there. <laughs> And uh, he puts his Axe, Tom Zink, into what looks like, let's call it possibly a bulldog, but he's not going to do a bulldog. He's going to yeah. ram Axe's head into the ring post. He's going to like bushwhacker him. into Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> so it looks pretty severe. So who can blame Axe for pushing him off? <laughs> Zink goes into the ring post. Yeah. And this is enough of an injury for um, a count out win. And okay. for yes, and this is how the count and connection actually lose by countout to demolition, so that demolition can advance in the tournament.
3: Yeah, okay, and we would
2: never know before WrestleMania <laughs> three that, that that had happened. So that's, that's neat. There is a bit of uh, some fun after antics. Okay. Yeah, demolition, get out of there because you know they've got a lot of wrestling to do. But Johnny V decides to like you know uh, <laughs> taunt Martel. And like, you can hear Johnny V, he doesn't need a microphone. You can hear him through the, and he actually like, he's on the ramp (laughs) and Martell's taunting him and Johnny V kind of like, I think he he might even go in there and take a punch or two. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, certainly I, I, I did enjoy the post match antics where Johnny V decides to like uh, taunt Rick Martell and you know, of course he's going to (laughs) regret it, you know, and I I love the way uh, Johnny V takes a punch. Just, he's so fun. Yeah, I'd like to go, you know what? I'd like to go back and see some of his glory days. Right,
3: yeah. I'm not sure how much footage exists, but there's got to be some stuff out there, I'm sure.
2: Okay, so we got another semi-final matchup
3: coming up. So now it's time to find out who's going to advance to the finals to face Demolition. So we have two really fun teams, and this match is just incredible. The energy, it's almost like a different crowd or something compared to all the other matches. Like, they're just, they're so excited about this match. So similar to the previous Heenan family match, Orndorff and Bundy are already in the ring and it's great because the ring announcer is trying to announce them and Bundy cuts them off and takes the microphone away and he's like, or at least he's loud enough that you can hear him. And he's like, ah, stop this garbage and just give us the belts. <laughs> I love it. That was so good. Yeah. Fuck, like that was hilarious. And Orndorff's like, same kind of thing. He's just kind of putting his hands out like, exactly. We're the greatest. Just like, we shouldn't even have to fight. Oh, just so good. Just make us the champs. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and the crowd's cheering.
3: The crowd is totally cheering. Yeah. It's great, Totally at a fever pitch. It's super loud. And uh, the, yeah, they get huge cheers. Give us the belts. And then the bees are announced and they come out and again, it's that neat look, the framing of it, them coming down the ramp, walking with their back to the camera. You know, yeah. it's 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 so
2: unique. It's and it's not place. like they've given up on the Heenan family. Like the the bees get cheers. Yeah. yeah. You know, but like not any really louder than Yeah, it's
3: almost like equal. you talked about like the fabulous one and the Road Warriors. It's kind of like people cheer for both because <laughs> like, yeah, we love Absolutely. the bees but geez boy do we like these big heels
2: (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) what excitement
3: so yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, Orgirff comes over to the side of the ring that has the commentary table and he starts harassing Monsoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really funny.
2: <laughs> you can pretty much hear most of what he's saying. Yeah. There. yeah. And I mean, they're they... yeah, making yeah, fun of the I, shoes, right? Yeah. they making fun of the basketball shoes. That's he's, right.
3: He's miming, bouncing a ball and what are they here to shoot hoops or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty, Oh, it's great. It's pretty funny. It's so yeah.
2: fun to see him heel and baby face at the same <laughs>
3: exactly. time. He's a master. Yeah. <laughs> So John Bonello is giving instructions to the heels, and we see that the the good guys they're not gonna wait. They're going straight to the bee masks before the match even starts. Yeah. And it takes them a long time. I think it's Blair trying to tie up Brunzel's mask they can't get it tied up. So it takes there's an extra minute there of just fumbling with his mask. But yeah, that's kind of a neat idea. The bees will almost always wait until, you know, late in the match when they're beaten up. <laughs> yeah. So it's, this was it's neat. It's a cool thing. look. Yeah, you know? exactly.
2: However, you know, as we will find out, Brunzel's dropkick, I'll give him away any day.
3: Yeah, exactly. I, I could always tell them apart body-wise like, yeah. pretty easily. Like, I never... Also, like, Blair's got a little bit of his mustache poking out from his mask. And, yeah. Well, it depends on the
2: camera angle. From far and, away, you might not know if somebody's in a yeah, headlock, Yeah, you yeah.
3: Know? And, Brunzel had a bit of hair on his chest and Blair had a little bit more of a sculpted physique than than Brunzel for most of their run together. So yeah, they were they were pretty easy to tell apart, but it's it's a fun it's a fun gimmick. So for some reason Johnny V is up on the ramp protesting and looks ready to wrestle like, you know, outfit wise. He's got his ring jacket on and he's got his tights on. I don't know if he had a match that night, but uh, yeah, it doesn't look manager gear. It looks like wrestling gear. So Blair's going to start out with Orndorff, and they lock up. Paul pushes him into the corner and starts going to work with right hands right away. Like Blair's just eating it right off the bat, and the crowd's firing up. They love it. <laughs> they, they want so Orndorff fun. to kick his ass. Yeah. There's a corner whip and a near miss as Orndorff crashes into the corner, but Blair moved the last second, so bang, Paul Orndorff just smashed into the corner. And here's where the bees are going to do the only thing they can do, and that's work the arm. <laughs> that's, yeah. So lots of double teams and arm ringers, so back and forth. So tags in Brunzel, it's quick tags, Brunzel come in, give him some sort of an upper cut shot underneath the armpit or something like that, wind the arm up, and then tag again. So they're getting like the sort of high flyer style, like quick beat, like really quick tags. It's going to happen in succession to try to keep the heat on these bad guys. So he bounces off the ropes and lands a jumping elbow in one of these spots. So like Brunzel comes in, the arms all wound up, Brunzel jumps in the air, that exposed arm drives down the elbow. So again, more control and another tag which leads to a double whip and double back elbow they drop
2: Orndorf. So Orndorf. And the crowd is they are cheering. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the bees, bees the bees well. are totally
3: getting cheered. It's not yeah. like they're getting booed. They're not no. like the dynamic dudes of nineteen eighty nine and WCW getting booed when they're supposed to be the baby faces. But yeah, there's it's a weird and that's why I think it's so loud is because people are excited about anything that's happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not any, waiting for something to happen. They're like, It's all good.
2: <laughs> any good spot, you know, they're cheering.
3: That's right. Yeah. So Orndorf Forums is way out of trouble here. And tries to whip Brunzel off the ropes, and Jim reverses and goes for the world's best drop kick. Love it. But Orndorff holds onto the ropes, so he comes crashing down on the mat. Oh! Yeah, not good for him. And then the big man is tagged in and you would think he was, you think it was a hot tag. Like the crowd like yeah. pops for Bundy coming in. <laughs> yeah, <so> to <laughs> crush poor Brunzy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they're just, the crowd's just cheering Bundy while he's stomping on the bees. Just <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> and there's a whip and a big elbow and Brunzel like just spins off of it to the far corner on the mat. He's just like, goes flying off it. Bundy eventually picks him up and does the exact same spot and the same result (laughs) just crashing down after getting like spun like a top after he gets hit with an elbow he tags Paul Orndorff in and the crowd just surges again Mr. Wonderful comes in off the top rope so Bundy's got him in like a front face lock exposing his back Orndorff's in with the elbow smash to the back the heels are really starting to, you know, lay in the punishment here. Ornder says, putting the boots to his man, just stomping on him. And this is the part where it's Craig Monsoon said something about Jim Brunzel's dropkick. And
2: Jimmy Hart claims that Jim Neidhart has the greatest dropkick in the world. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, Monsoon all night's been like, you know, Jim looks tired. Yeah. Don't you think, Jimmy? He looks uh, He looks out of breath, uh, you know? And he's like, you better stop. Like, he's going to be around here. You better quit that. You better quit that. <laughs> he just looks he, like, you know, he needs a little rest, Jim Neidhart. <laughs>
3: That's good. So there's more punishment and before Bundy's tagged back in. So Bundy steps on Brunzel in the corner. Oh, it looks painful. And Benella, Benella's warning him. It's so another tag to Orndorff. He whips and attempts a back body drop. So here's where Jim Brunzel, you know, has a little, little hero action. He does a sunset flip, but he can't with that momentum get him down. So he's Paul Nerf's able to stop it. Get that punch in to break it up. There's lots of kicks here. Just kick after kick after kick. And then a tag to this man, Mountain Bundy. Orndriff whips him and Bundy waits to clobber him with another back elbow. So it's kind of neat. Like Orndorff does the whipping and Bundy just waits for him to bounce off the ropes and gives him another back elbow. And Bundy does a big elbow drop. Looks like it's like curtains for our bees. <laughs> Not looking good. The wings have been clipped. And it's a, there's a count. But uh, luckily for Brunzel, he's close enough to the rope. So on a two count, he's able to get his foot up on the rope to get the break. And you're a great. Come on, <laughs> to the ref. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't like that r- rope break. There's another tag in the corner, and or- Orndorff distracts Benello while Bundy's just choking him. So Blair charges across to attack Bundy, but the ref will not stand for that. So as Blair protests on his way back to his corner, Orndorff, like an assassin, nails him in the back of the neck. Just drills him, and like, and Blair plays so hurt. It's a very interesting look. Like it. It looks different than all the other kind of punches and shots, and it does look really deadly. Like he kind of looks like he knocked him out. Cool. So now Blair's kinda like laying dead on the apron and, and Brunzel's in trouble, so it's the, the heels are in a good spot. Bundy comes in with no tag and there's a double corner whip. And then Orndorff whips Bundy across the ring for Bah the avalanche. Oh my god. <laughs> and the crowd fucking roars. Incredible. They just they're so excited. That was over. Yeah, splat. So yeah, both bees are down. They just look totally out of it. And so Bundy starts clapping his hand like he's I thought he can do the five count, but he was actually yeah. just gives it a two count. And Monsoon's like,
2: Oh, he's wasting time. Yeah, I mean Brunzel winds up out of the ring, doesn't he?
3: No, he's he's down in the corner on the he's oh, okay. still in the ring. It's right. it's Blair that's laying like a dead man on the right, apron. Right. Okay. Outside so of the ropes. Bundy's
2: taunting yeah. The cr- and everybody. Yeah. And then him.
3: the camera you can't see it, but you can hear it. Orndorff has just gotten the crowd behind him, and they want to see the pile driver. <laughs> so he's no. bumping his arms off camera, and they're going crazy. And then Bundy, you see him kind of like realize, like, "Oh, what's going on behind me?" So he looks <laughs> right over his shoulder, and, he, and then Bundy gives the symbol, symbol, yeah. like, and he points at Orndorff, like, "You want this?" And they're like. Ah! That was amazing! <laughs> so great! Wow! And then this is where I think, like, we'll talk about it. Like, Orndorf they had to switch. they You know, they said, like, why did he go back to being a good guy in the fall of '87 or whenever that was, around the time that Rick Rude came in? You know, he left the Heenan family because, but the reason they said was. Orndorff was too popular. And like, this is like exhibition A of it. It was so great. Orndorff (laughs) gets up on the second ropes and he's pumping the arms down for the pile driver to the crowd. And they're going like, it's like Hulk Hogan. Like they're just going crazy for this bad guy saying that he's going to come in and like, you know, kill this good guy. Yeah. So as this whole distraction in the corners going on with the ref and Bundy and cheering for the pile driver, Blair rolls Brunzel out of the ring. So now Blair's sneaky. He's waiting there, like laying, lurking, waiting. And then Orndorf he's not done. He crosses the ring to the other post still on the outside, climbs up to that ring post, the other side of the arena. He gives the, the paddle driver symbol, and they go even more crazy. Oh, and, amazing. And they want to see it. And I love it because usually what happens with this B switch is, is that the heel comes in, picks up the fresh man, and then either gets a punch blocked or gets like a small package or whatever, and it's just, it's done. But Orndorf comes over and starts stomping on b and Blair. So like, I'm thinking like, maybe Blair regretted this decision. (laughs) Yeah, oops. (laughs) Oops. But eventually Paul Orndorf does pick him up, goes for a body slam, and Blair slides over his back and then runs him into the rope so that he runs into Bundy, which kind of stuns Bundy a little bit, and a rolling reverse cradle. And despite all those cheers, despite all that great heat... They get pinned one, two, three, and And the bees win and they get the hell out of Dodge. (laughs) They they look so beaten up and they get out of there as quick as they can.
2: (laughs) Yep. Wow. What a great match. This whole tournament is a blast. What fun.
3: Yeah. And I just love the idea of just how popular he was. And I kind of wonder, I'm like, well, it's Toronto. Maybe it's like the star power of like his appearance at the big event
2: makes him an even bigger star in Toronto maybe than he is in other places. Great point. Great point. Yeah. The only downside is that uh the Heenan family's out of the tournament. Yeah, no. yeah, I wish they were in the finals.
3: Demolition yeah. was so new. Demolition should have uh Demolition should have taken a powder. Like I think that uh oh, they but, could have they right. should have, they should, this should have been the final.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, um, absolutely. And then uh Demolition versus the Hart Foundation. You, uh, no, sorry. I mean rather Orndorf and Bundy versus the Heart Foundation. Yeah, like a one-time only kind a of thing. That would only. have been like so great. Yeah. Oh, wow. I would have loved to have seen that. Seen that go all the way. The Heenan family. Yeah. Too bad.
3: I mean, the Heart Foundation versus, let's say, Andre and the Battle Royal look so great. So like the Heart Foundation getting bounced around by Bundy would be hilarious.
2: Yeah. Too bad. Because I was really digging this, you know, baby face Heenan family.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, all this glorious wrestling is going to get us to the finals of the tournament where they're going to fight for a title shot. So it's going to be Demolition versus a very beaten up Killer Bees team.
2: So it is the... Battle of the unidentified, the masks. Everybody keeps their masks on. Well, actually, there is some talk. It might be now, but it's probably some heel manager who's saying, yeah, sure, let them keep their masks on, because Demolition has, you know, little metal spikes in there. You yes, know, like. I know.
3: Yeah, Muncie says, well, maybe I would agree if they, the bees had some sort of
2: weapon in their mask, too. <laughs> right. So, uh, of course, the masks do come off in the case of Demolition, and the bees aren't wearing theirs yet. The action starts off with Brian Blair versus... Bill Eadie, Demolition Axe, and B. Brian Blair gets the better of Axe. It's a bit of fisticuffs, and Axe doesn't <laughs> yeah. like it. Yeah. So he's like, get it. Jackson's exit's mesh. So uh, Brian is pretty scrappy. He likes, to, right. yeah. he likes to throw and uh, doesn't like to sell as much as Brunzel likes to That's sell. Right. yeah. And we'll get a clear example of that right away. Because uh, Smash comes in, gives uh, a big shoulder block to Brian, and Brian doesn't sell it. As opposed to earlier, Brunzel took one from Sika, and yeah. he spent around, you know, like yeah. nursing his ribs for the next three minutes after just took a shoulder block in the first minute of the match. Right. So. Brian is, doesn't appear to be quite as generous as as, yeah. Brunzel, as Brunzel and like who gets beat up and hurt, at least at the moment. But Brian is looking uh, very formidable at the moment. He's, he doesn't appear to be too hurt from his other matches. So what we have is um, a, a second shoulder block from Smash doesn't get the devastation that he's hoping for from Blair. <laughs> the next time Smash runs into the ropes, Brian drops down for a leg trip and uh, Smash is suddenly on the mat. After un- unsuccessfully clobbering after not getting his way, suddenly he's, ah! he's, he's he's being dragged over to the face corner where Blair tags in Brunzel and Smashes doesn't like this at all. It's nothing compared to their beatdown of the British Bulldogs, for example. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Blair gets back in there right away. Some of that high-flyer quick action. You know, yeah. they're just... They're keeping Smash on the ground. But but Blair gets back in there right away. And they're kicking Smash while he's down, dropping a couple of elbows. But during one of these quick tags, what they do is they uh, each grab a leg. Yeah. And they would be old double wishbone, make a yeah, wish, yeah, yeah. right? And fall <laughs> back. And that's right. Ouch! Blair continues to work the legs. He... Links in a figure four.
3: Yeah, yeah, I saw that.
2: Big surprise after, you know, he's been they've been kicking the legs and they're working the legs, keeping the big men on their back and keeping them from having that mobility to use their power. So uh, the figure four, he, he doesn't finish it, though. The last little bit, he doesn't yeah. quite. And Axe actually comes in and drops a big elbow and breaks up this, <laughs> uh, you know, near submission attempt but Blair's still got all this energy, even though it's like the his third match of the night. He uh, gives Axe a head to the turnbuckle for his trouble, <laughs> and he's on fire. Brian Blair is just, you can't be stopped. Uh, Axe does manage to tag in, and so they square off again, and once again, the fisticuffs don't go Axe's way. <laughs> Brian is throwing his punches and bunches, and, uh, and Billy Dee Smash, the mass superstar, decides to throw a knee in the gut. Yeah, And that works. So uh, a, a unsportsman boxing-like knee to the midsection doubles B. Brian Blair over. And now the bad guys are going to take over for a bit. Axe tags in Smash. Smash picks up B. Brian Blair and drops him over the top rope for that throat drop that we've seen. <laughs> and uh, Blair is clutching his, clutching his throat, makes it hard to breathe. They continue to choke Blair as, as they drag him over into demolitions corner axe tags in and he throws Blair to the outside where Johnny V gets in in the action of beating up our killer B and this time they're cheering the killer Bees. now that the Heenan family and Paul Orndorff is left <laughs> yeah, the ring yeah,
3: now that the popular heels are gone
2: <laughs> the fans are able to get behind uh, the killer Bees. Blair is getting beaten up and he gets outside of the ring and then he gets beaten up back into the ring smash tags in and they're just battering him They're they're building the hot tag Brunzo wants to get in there a big body slam results in a two and a half count and then we have our first audience pops because there's a tag is made, but oh, Benelo or whoever it is, I'm not quite sure, uh, doesn't see it. Yeah. The, the false tag uh, does not work and Brunzel has to be taken out of the ring. Meanwhile, this gives Demolition a chance to drop a big double elbow and then the axe handle. Uh, they still haven't, as I said, perfected their their good axe handle smash. Yeah. But they're getting close somehow both bees are outside the ring because usually when the masks come on, they do it simultaneously. So we have both bees outside. The masks come on. (laughs) Of course, they're expecting, you know, a little less energy from the bee they get their hands on, but it's Brunzel, and it gives him a chance to do his fantastic dropkick. Unfortunately, it's not one of those where uh, the opponents are jumping over Brian Blair to give that just the... It's such a subtle touch, but it works so well. The guy's just doing a little hop and... Whoa! (laughs) World's best (laughs) dropkick. That's right. Um, but anyway, still the Brunzel gets a two count off this dropkick. So it it lands beautifully. Uh, smash comes in and he's booting Blair. The action begins to devolve to all four men. B Brian Blair climbs to the top rope. One of the demolitions members is demolition. I have an A and an S written over each other. So I'm like, ah, oh shit. (laughs) Somebody goes after the legal B but meanwhile B Brian Blair's on the top rope and he does a top rope sunset flip oh, wow. on demolition and he gets the one and the two and the three count meaning the Killer Bees will move on to face the Heart Foundation in the tag team as the reward for winning right. the tag team tournament they get a title shot tonight but you wouldn't know <laughs> it if you watched it on TV because they right. chopped it up and mixed up the order but you know boy would I have loved to have been there that night not knowing what's going to happen like That's could right. the Killer Bees beat Except the Heartbound win three matches just to get to these yeah. champions I know at this point You get to sit back and rest I'm like this is Brunzel's night That's he's right. landed a drop kick in every match you know yeah. and you know it's just woohoo now I have one last note Lonely Fans White Hat I, I don't know what that means but probably somebody <laughs> at the ramp looking for autographs yeah, but the, yeah, you know yeah. it's like their third match and they're just like Whoosh. one
3: thing i noticed when the when the file is ending is that you see jack tunney come down the ramp oh. and i think he's coming in the ring to announce like hey they've won the tournament and they cut away from it so you don't get oh, to see okay. it but that, that's kind of a neat little add-on
2: pretty great little surprise gem from the wwf Archives. I had no idea this existed, and what a delight! I just had such a good time, you know, checking out this card. And it's not over yet. We got the yeah. main, ev- I guess, if you will, the main event.
3: That's right. It does gonna end up with this title shot that night. You'd almost, if I was the bees, I'd be like, can we wrestle the next night? <laughs> yeah, a <laughs> title shot when we're not already beaten up but. exactly
2: they've like considering that they've wrestled you know Sika and Kamala yeah. you know Bundy and Orndorff yeah. and of course Demolition I mean yeah. like they've <laughs> what, been writing mus- monsters all night
3: you know, like just landmines going off
2: around them trying to get to this final <laughs> it's pretty wild this underdog under B team that's right taking on all these powerful powerful men bigger. Everybody's bigger. Everybody's bigger than them, yeah. That's wild. <laughs> Such a great story. Now they get to wrestle guys only a little bit bigger yeah, than right. them. Yeah, right. Anvil's bigger,
3: but yeah. hearts maybe even smaller than them. I <laughs> wonder. Time.
2: I always kind of like underestimated Brett's size, but you yeah, know, he goes he, on to wrestle big men oh, all of the course, time.
3: Yeah, and he's He always got an somewhere in around 230. He's probably right. ways similar to those guys. He might be a lo- I think at this point in his career, he's a tiny bit taller than Blair and Brunzel, but I don't think he's as thick as Blair and Brunzel. Like Maybe. I think he becomes thicker, you know, as, Maybe. The, okay. as the 80s and 90s roll on. He becomes more beefed out. Okay. There we have it. We're going to take you to that final match. Can the Bees win the titles? Can they finally achieve that glory they've been waiting for? Oh, please. Give oh, me that
2: AWA who, who nostalgia. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, nobody knows. Nobody knows. We're going to have to f- tune in to find out. Use your imagination.
4: <laughs>
3: The absolute finals of this tournament is this title shot against the Hart Foundation. And when you look at the information... Well, the, the tournament is over. The tournament's over. The bees are the winners of the tournament. And their, and their prize. Their prize is this title shot that night against the Hart Foundation in
2: Toronto. And a broken down car. <laughs> That's right. Someone slashed slash your tires. <laughs> But here's the deal. I was actually referring to like the ultimate tournaments. Wasn't there an oh, ultimate tournament? Yeah, where you got a yeah, car, yeah. That's not right, Regina. Down, yeah, yeah. Just Bo- a beater, the old bow down. Yeah, they would they would somehow find like a beater
3: car that runs. That they just barely would run, <laughs> and then the winner of this tournament, this is like early two thousands, late nineties, would be like you know you win this car that's worth like two hundred dollars, and the one guy, the one team they won at the one time, the guys from Winnipeg, and this so they're you know they going to drive like six seven hours back from either Regina or Saskatoon or wherever it was, and. Uh, <laughs> and they it, it wasn't gonna make it, so they had to, they, they left it with a friend that who was you know was handy, yeah. and the guy worked on it for them. And when they came back the next summer, it was it was in, you know
2: working condition, and so they, they drove it home the next year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. That's right. Well, the Killer Bees already have a. They've had a rough ride That's on right. their way to the Heart Foundation. Yeah, we've illustrated how powerful the teams are. They've been fighting. It's quite Monsters. ridiculous,
3: actually, and they've made it through. Now, here's where it's going to get a little tiny bit anticlimactic. So this match was not ever televised. It's a dark match on that TV taping. I was able to find the match on YouTube, uh, March 15th, Toronto. Clearly, it's Toronto. It's the ramp. It's the Bees versus the Heart Foundation. But when I watched the match, I realized even though it's labeled as being that match, it's not that match. The match we have a file for is a different match. Oh. And I was able to kind of like deduce it through all of this. So I don't have any video of the actual proper match now. But what we
2: have is now a new holy grail. That's right. yeah, Ladies like, and gentlemen. So okay. Gentlemen, never mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> one lady. Uh,
3: yep. <laughs> like, all res- like all wrestling shows, I'm sure we got one or two, but, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. It's not, not, the, the, not the bulk of our audience. We want um, that final of the Tunny. Yeah, Frank Tunney Senior Memorial Tag Team Tournament. They've got it. WWF. I know they taped this match. What I know city? They have to Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. City, yeah, I, Obviously, Tunney, yeah.
2: Toronto, the ramp. You, there's just no mistake. So here's a, few,
3: here's a few things. Here's a few clues as to why the match we have the video of, which is labeled as being that match, is not that match. One, the bees are wearing their funny black leggings that they're mm. not wearing for the rest of the tournament. Right. Two... They come out and announce that this match, Jimmy Hart gets on the mic as soon as it starts, before the match actually starts, and announces that because the Hart Foundation won their titles after this match had already been signed, it's not a title match. So it's this match on the video is a non-title match, which uh. does not match up with what happened. Three, the evil rotten Danny Davis is nowhere to be found on this video, and he is key to this match. Oh, so he's okay. so right away. So there's the bad part. Here's the bad part. So we we'll, shitty. We we'll kind of have to just skip through the only information we have, which is that the fans aren't going home happy this night. The bees do not win the title. Well, we,
2: okay, this much we. Well, rather, I guess we, it could have been a dusty finish.
3: Yeah, but they we it says that the Hart Foundation right. pins the bees because of Danny D- Davis's interference. Uh, so Danny mm. Davis manages to get in there and cheat the cheat the crowd now. I do leave exceptions for the fact that, like, the information of what happened on that night could be wrong. But I've read three different posts on different blog sites of people that were at there that all kind of repeat the same information, which is that that what is written is what actually happened. Because what happens in the match that we do have this non-title match is the bees pin the Hart Foundation and don't, but they don't win the titles. And it's the and here's the other reason it's not the same night. It's the exact same finish as the demolition finals. It's the it's the top rope sunset flip. I see. You know, with the referees back turned and right. all that. So they use the exact same finish from the demolition final in this Hart Foundation non-title match. My guess is this match is actually probably, and it's both in Toronto, so it's probably like a month earlier. It's because it's March. They won the belt in January, so it's got
2: to be either a January card or a February card in Toronto. Well, let's use our imaginations, folks, for one second, and suppose that if we were able to watch, that what we would see would be... B. Brian Blair giving Bret Hart a couple of shots in the midsection, <laughs> whipping him in the ropes while he tags Jim Brunzel. B. Brian Blair hits the mat so that J- Bret Hart has to jump over B. Brian Blair. <laughs> but what happens is the graceful, greatest dropkick in the world hits Bret Hart flush on the jaw, and Bret Hart hits the mat hard. Unfortunately, Jim the Anvil Hart manages to get into the ring, but B. Brian Blair gets in there and says, no, sir. So Brunzel covers Bret Hart for what would seem to be a... Twenty count. Unfortunately, Danny Davis fucks everything up, <laughs> and we do not see a title change. That's right. But I'll bet you they gave Brenzel his beautiful dropkick moment. Yeah, probably. I would. want to hope I would,
3: so. I would, I would. I would hope so. So yeah, I, I did read somebody's comments about like how excited the crowd was. They really felt like they were going to see a title change. Yeah, that uh, you, know,
2: you just had it right there, folks.
3: Yeah, and uh, they didn't. But they My, didn't get it. Uh, I know. Well, we were pretending, and that was fun. (laughs) So that's that. Unfortunately, we didn't get to wrap this up the way I would have liked to, uh, and until some magic appears, probably won't ever get to see that match, but it is, the the overall, like, how this whole tournament rolled out is really great for one night, and they very rarely do this, any kind of tournaments that have happened in modern wrestling, as far as I know, in terms of like WWF and stuff, WWE, uh, has been kind of these things that play out over multiple weeks, you know, like they never, you never, you don't really see people. And I think part of it's like they try to avoid having people wrestling a lot. I think it's a safety thing too, right? Like having someone wrestle four matches is more dangerous for them than having them wrestle one match. And if there's something goes wrong, they're more likely to get injured. So I guess that's part of it. But I just, I remember the time in the early nineties when the WF roster was really thinned out. And they really started to rely on Bret Hart. And it was when you really realized that he was like the king, the key to it all for a while there. And they were like there was multiple pay-per-views over a couple of years where it was like Bret Hart was like in two or three matches per car, you know, per per pay-per-view because they were just like, Okay, how do we make you know, okay, there's a King of the Ring tournament, okay, he's in he's in all those matches, and then like there's another one where it's like, okay, he's gonna wrestle his brother first and then he's gonna have his title match at the end of the night, WrestleMania 10, you know, like all that stuff. They were kinda like <laughs> the only way we can make the special is if Bret Hart's out there like a lot because wow. they didn't have enough stars really to, to carry
2: at the time it was the thinning of the roster very interesting well this certainly was a hidden gem this whole tournament and those are uh, all valid reasons as to why you don't see more tournaments and the wrestling classic um where macho man got to shine and Dynamite Kid got to also shine um, was one of the greatest things you never saw. Um, so you, it w- wasn't really a part of a long storyline. It just is this amazing yeah. event that happened. This, this amazing night in so, the and you same again with there. this in Toronto. What a night exactly. in Toronto! But Toronto turns out to be such a special wrestling town. The big event and of course uh, WrestleMania d- 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 six, six and I think eighteen. That's or right, seventeen, yeah. whichever one it is. There's, there's
3: yeah, right. the Hogan Rock oh, should have been main event, <laughs> WrestleMania, and and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a lot of great stuff if you're a fan. That in was Toronto. Toronto Hogan and Rock.
2: Oh yeah. Oh wow, yeah. I did watch that. Well,
3: because they said like they, you know, everyone expected like Hogan went into that as a bad guy. Yeah. And then the Toronto fans are like, fuck that, we're not booing Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> wild. It was pretty exciting. <laughs> and to see. Rock was so smart. He knew. Yeah. He figured it out within a couple of minutes. He's like, I gotta, I gotta be the heel. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta wrestle like the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the crowd's not gonna go. For, for heel Hogan they want babyface Hogan yep
2: yeah that was pretty great
3: <laughs> okay so we're gonna wrap up this whole show with something that aired on March 30th on prime time and I guess it's what we would call the official last televised
2: original Piper's Pit yeah well turns out you know the first Piper's Pit was the day after Hogan won the belt. I'm not sure if you knew oh, that, I did. but I, I saw put one source. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Kind of interesting. And so yeah. um, he comes out and uh, stops the show, catches me unaware, and knocks it out of a park. I, I can't really uh, say enough about a speech. There are no guests. Roddy Piper comes out, and he tells the audience what's going on. And he talks about physical pain and emotional pain. And it's, you know, never mind wrestling. This is one of the most powerful things I've ever seen from an artist or athlete or anybody in my life. I mean, this is kind of... So, you know, like, Corey, I imagine, you know, you had to be separated from Cole for 50 days. Right, yeah, yeah. That would probably be pretty tough, right? Oh, yeah. One, oh, yeah. Day, one day is it would yeah. be a lot, so... Yeah, so the wrestlers, you know, had this crazy lifestyle, and I hope it's not as bad for them now, but, you know, if anybody ever, like, sums up all this stuff, I mean, Ric Flair had some goodbyes, and I don't want to pick on him, but, like, more than once, he came out, and let it all hang out, yeah. you know, and uh, it's interesting because this is the diff- the opposite. Piper comes out, and he's sincere and honest, and it's only three minutes, but the thing about this is if you... Listen to this, and you don't feel something, then you don't have a heart. <laughs> now, the other thing about Ric Flair and Roddy Piper is, it turns out these guys were, you know, I want to say Batman and Robin, but they're Those both Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, they were the party guys. Yeah. Okay. So you know, a lot of people dance around it, but you know, other people, you know, like Ric Flair was like anything we could smoke or snort or drink, we would, yep. we would do. And he's like Piper was the guy that like, and so. Um, there was a lot of partying, and uh, sometimes you know I've seen what I thought was like, oh, Piper looks like he's high on coke, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Corey and I, you might be getting to know our personalities a little bit. So I have had a life in showbiz at times, and my life has been a little wild at times. Corey, less so. He's more of a family man <laughs> and had more of the nine to five jobs. But I can relate to being away from my family, like Piper talks about here. And all the wrestlers know. Yeah. I can relate to, uh, you know, drinking a lot, (laughs) chasing skirts, and loneliness on the road. Flair and Piper, it's like Piper doesn't shed any tears, but it's enough to break Bobby Heenan down. Oh, wow. He's Wiping his eyes, and they come back, and Gorilla Monsoon is, "What's the matter with you?" And Piper Bobby Heenan's like, hey, "I poked my eye with the phone here," <laughs> and like he's doing a shtick, right? it's, yeah, But yeah, it's a yeah, really, yeah. it's a touching shtick because yeah. you come back and 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 Bobby Heenan's pretending to be right. broke, to have broken down from this bit, and and and, and then he's go, then he Piper, and then Heenan's like, "I'm glad he's leaving," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, get out of here. We don't want you. Yeah, go on scram." But it was just really neat to like, yeah, you come, you cut back to Heenan. And if, and if you're not made out of stone, you know, you're, you're just, you're like, like, what the fuck was that in yeah. a good way? Because in showbiz, I've heard these words, you have a crowd, you want to make them laugh, make them cry and scare them. And this runs the, you know, the whole gamut of, of human feelings. I don't even know if that's the right word, but I mean, like, you know, you, you want to feel things, you know, like when you're numb and cut off, like the U2 song, like don't this, don't that. Don't think, don't blob, don't, 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 yeah, don't. Yeah. makes you numb. You don't feel anything. But we want to feel things. We want to cheer the heroes. We want justice to be served. And we want the villains to get clobbered. And, you know, oftentimes Piper was that villain. So on, on a lighter side, I went back and saw how fun... Uh, Black Jack Mulligan was on a Piper's Pit where, you know, Piper, <laughs> yeah. you know, Piper's talking and talking and, and Mulligan just draws breath and yeah. Piper goes, shut up for a minute, just shut up. And then Pipe <laughs> Mulligan Mulligan gives him this great side eye, like raises his eyebrow. He was really understated and funny, yeah, Black yeah, Jack yeah, Mulligan. Yeah, we had a really good time with one yeah. of those ones. He's, uh, and he was a great guest and so relaxed, you know, like Bob Orton's behind him. It yeah. was classic Piper's Pit, right? Yeah. Back when the the, the band was still together, Mulligan's chewing. Tobacco and couldn't be bothered <laughs> less than Orton's right behind him, but you know, probably with the cast or not. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but like, he's just so unintimidated. Like, that was, I, I went back and had a look at like a fun Piper's Pit moment, and, yeah. and I got a good laugh out of just like Black Jack Mulligan's facial expressions and the way that Piper winds him up. Yeah, we love the Jake the Snake, Black Jack Mulligan snake pit.
3: <laughs> yeah. So he was a great Have you talker set ladies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so back to this so called finals Piper's, Piper's Pit. Corey hasn't heard it and or, or you know it's uh, been so long that I don't yeah, remember it. Yeah it's been it, so yeah. long yeah so you know I probably set it up too much but it just it's, it's powerful so uh, I you know said to Corey I, I want our listeners to hear the whole thing and so you're gonna get to hear the whole thing let me just see if there's anything else that I wanted to say before you hear it well I guess I should what you can't see Piper come out you will hear it but what you're gonna you know let me describe for you He comes out, and the painting is up there of of him with the bagpipes or something. Right. And I don't know if this is true, but I heard a thing that he used to busk and be a street performer playing bagpipes. Oh, wow. I think I just saw him say that in some clip, right? Something that I have in common with him. I've been a street performer and uh, played guitar and sang, you know, in parking lots and scary parking lots and had some (laughs) scary situations, but anyway, and had wonderful, amazing times too. So the big portraits there on the wall, but then there's another thing that looks just like it. And Piper picks it up and he's in his guilt, of course, and his yep. hot rod shirt. And, uh, you know, it's red stripes everywhere. I mean, the plaids everywhere. It's a Piper's pit. Like, you know, and he picks up this, this lovely piece of art. The second, there's two of them, right? And he picks it up and he looks at it and he, and he, and he props it up onto the table. So that's, that's what you're not seeing is him. You know, uh, it turns out it's a gift. Right. But anyway, so uh, I, I'm going to play it now for Corey, and then I just want to hear what he has to say about it.
4: I
1: had one fella draw this for me. His name is Bill Dara. I'm not used to getting presents, but I thought it was a nice thing. This here is the very last Piper's Pit that you'll ever see in your entire life. I'd like you to listen to me for a second, you know. First of all, we got all these TV cameras here. I'm kind of interested in the people in the arena too, you know. How y'all doing? I want to tell you something. A little bit of the inside, maybe, of Roddy Piper. I'd like to do this if you wouldn't mind listening to me. I was just a street kid. People talk about WWF wrestling, and I was just a kid born. I didn't have no mom and dad. Now I'm not. This ain't no lassie story. I grew up, and if it wasn't for WWF and professional wrestling, I'd probably be in jail someplace, man. But instead of that, instead of that, I ended up marrying beautiful American woman, I got two little American girls. I've been, I've been stabbed three times, I've been shot at, went down twice in an airplane. It didn't bother me or make me want to retire. I got a little girl four years old. Some days I go on the road for 50 days at a time. Last time a little girl grabbed me around the leg and she's crying and she asked me not to to go anymore. And I can handle anything, you can shoot me, you can stab me, you can spit at me, but I ain't gonna let them go without a daddy like uh, myself, man. Uh, And they're gonna be raised Americans and they're gonna be raised damn good Americans. I'm not an American, I'm here on a green card. But I'm proud of this country because they let a jerk like me come in and do whatever the hell I wanted to for as long as I could. And you gotta admit, you gotta admit, when I was well, I was hell, man. And I had you all rocking for as many years. When you come to see me fight, you got your money's worth. I never surrendered and I never retreated from nothing. to the WWF and daddy daddy's coming home now man
2: so what'd you think
3: about that yeah it's uh it, it doesn't seem familiar to me so I wonder if I actually did miss it back in the day it's yeah, it's really powerful, and it's interesting. He steps up on the table because he wants to be able to look past the backdrop to the fans who are sort of in the backside of the arena and yeah. and acknowledge them that it's not just a TV show; it's more about the people. And yeah, it's uh, ever since I've become a dad, I definitely uh, <laughs> definitely got a soft spot, and for anything related to somebody's you know family stuff, and and it, it doesn't take too much to get me wound up emotionally. So yeah, it was very very powerful stuff he spoke about. You know, the reason why he wanted to step away from wrestling. And you know he's going to try Hollywood, obviously, and but have a different lifestyle, uh, spend more time with his family, and
2: um. so turns out the final Piper's pit. I looked it up, and it's kind of fun. He still had it. There is an organization called the MWF.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, I and that
2: one, Yeah. So Piper passed away in 2015. Screwed it up already. Uh-huh. MCW. Oh, MCW. Okay. Yeah. Maryland, I believe. And there's a video out there of a couple of gentlemen saying, hey, turns out this was the last one. And so we're going to share it with everybody. And it's kind of fun. So it's really cool, actually. Piper comes out there. He can still talk. Yeah. And he doesn't look too hurt. You know, uh, if I got my math correct, he made it to 60 years old or 61. Yeah. He comes out to the the ring. Crowd's going crazy. And he gets the mic and he's talking before long like it's good and there you know you have like these loud mouths that you're just like you know it's not about you yeah, right yeah, yeah, no. they just want to say hey let's try to get this chant going guys so it's like uh, he's trying to talk and like yeah 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 yeah. let's do this chant guys you know just like right. pay attention to Piper for a minute okay yeah so like they're doing all the thank you Piper we love you Piper I and mean, all this stuff where it's like they're trying to have a conversation with Piper you know or like one guy super loud thinks he can have a conversation with Piper but right. you overlook that because you know Piper's he's saying stuff like yeah uh I love you too and it's all lots of good stuff um yeah. but um and it all feels kind of like shoot and suddenly it turns into a work piper's like there's a guy backstage he's got a beep with me some some writer yeah, some yeah. writer's got a problem like yeah <laughs> well we don't need writers and he, you know he yeah, starts yeah, yeah. It's a, you know and they start working Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, so this guy comes out this guy kevin eck <laughs> and like he's apparently an ex-WWF a writer, or WWE, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. Piper, so like I was one. at first I was like, why is Piper shitting on somebody? You know, and right. it took, because he was like, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it was so cool because Smooth like went from this real like, hey everybody, good to see you, I love you, I yeah. love you. you know, and the crowd's like, well yeah, we love you, to this, like calls out the guy, the guy comes out, and then eventually he's like, Piper, you know you got me fired from the WWE. He said I wrote you some lines and you wouldn't say them. And Piper's like, yeah, that's right. I don't say you you can't put words in my mouth. And he's like, yeah, well, well you 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 go into business for yourself. And I want you to apologize right now. If you're a man, Piper, I want you to apologize because you. He goes, oh, I'll tell you what. You, you want to shoot? I'll shoot. So like this great work yeah. is disguised as a shoot. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But the guys, it's so good because the guys like you know this guy's Get popped,
3: yeah, that's right. Right, he's gonna get Danny <laughs> Davis,
2: right? So, yeah. you're just waiting for it, and then, like, so a great, smooth exchange. I mean, like, Piper goes on, like, it delves back into this realm where Piper gets real quiet, and it's like, yeah. it almost seems like a shoot again, but like, yeah. but you know, it isn't when the guy's like apologize or you know you're not a man or whatever and then you know that we're waiting for this guy to yeah. take a shot and hit the mat and so he does piper finally clobbers the guy and yeah. then a tag team called the hellcats come in okay and then another tag team called black wall street okay and this one guy's like fucking huge oh jeez um and it's a couple of black wrestlers and uh you know it ends up being the last Piper's Pit that you can go and see online. It was funny and uh, (laughs) it was great, really. I mean, it's such a good blend of, of, uh, I I have no idea who this guy was, but he came out and worked perfect heel. Yeah, yeah. Mike and get punched. It was like you know he. So Piper did get to punch him. Oh, of course. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, naturally. Yeah. you know he didn't get his apology. He got a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> you know, and uh, and it was just really fun. Kevin Eck, who presumably was actually you know briefly yeah. and you know and 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 like I think this is a, like that's what's so good is I think he was a writer at that time and right. like Piper and he was like that. Section was it, it, it maybe it didn't work that night, you know. Yeah. And Piper starts saying like, "Look, we did this thing, and like, you your booking was terrible, and your ideas were bad. I had to recap everything for everybody, and they're doing all this stuff, and it, like, so believable that they were shooting, yeah. But you know that this is heading towards the sixty-year-old yeah. man's gonna punch the forty-year-old man, <laughs> and you know, then we'll let the twenty-year-old men come out here <laughs> like, and do yeah. their thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, was cool. wonderful, and anyway, so. I couldn't believe this little. I mean, Corey knows that what I don't like, I do not like. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I forgot to mention this in our
3: movie review for *The Iron Claw*. I was like, I was gonna preface before we started talking. I was like, Jeff's kind of picky when it comes to entertainment, and he usually is pretty critical about something. So if he likes something, it's like, oh, that's
2: that's you know, oh, he must have really liked it because he usually has something to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, Corey could be like, oh, there's this new series, like you're gonna have to love it. And like I think it was *Suits*, right? And I was like, twelve minutes in. <laughs> I'm out. (laughs) Yeah, just like that. I was like, it's not
3: gonna work for me. I never got past episode one of Suits. It must have been something else. But I I get your gist. (laughs) You know, there was there were definitely moments for that. Yeah, that's that's funny.
2: That bit with Piper moved me as much as anything ever has. Any athlete. I mean, you got your Wayne Gretzky breaking down at the podium. Yeah, you know, you've got trade. You mean yeah. Yeah and you've got other like you know celebration moments in sports like yeah. that was you know but that was like a hugely emotional moment yeah. uh Gretzky I, you know maybe the the most kind of like the iconic canadian sports moment of like of you know the sorrow of yes. a, of like trading and leaving and and moving homes and change and transition and like there's a bunch of hockey players watching that who don't have their feelings often they're they're not encouraged to express their feelings. Maybe things have changed, but sports can often be a place where, like, tough it up, don't boys don't cry. And I mean, like, you know, in the seventies, that was different. They they yeah. told us we could cry when we were <laughs> growing up, and you know, it doesn't take much. I mean, like, I maybe I don't like much, but I can. You know, things can get to me, and like, I I just couldn't believe that. So I'm grateful that I got to see what is th- as. The greatest thing Roddy, Paper, Roddy Piper ever did was that speech because he, he spoke so truthfully, so sincerely. He told yeah. no lies. He talked about loneliness and sacrifice. And and I, I know that he went on to rejoin the WWF and I hope those kids got their dad back at least as much as he could provide it. Yeah, that's right. Do you remember or recall... And that's the theme of the Iron Claw. Yeah. Right? You know, like the the, the, the victory was having your family. Right. Whereas Ric Flair, you know, seemed to be a guy who was like, Hey, I love being on the road 300 nights a week. That's right. You know, but at the same time, then he had to deal with the, you know, the, the, the bad part of partying all the time. Yes. And, uh, I didn't know Party Rowdy Roddy was as much. Well, I guess I found out for sure now listening to (laughs) Ric Flair talking about it. If he's saying it, then, and then everybody else, all these different impressions of Roddy. Like people describing, you know, like he's got the, shake your hand, how you doing, how's your family? You know, like that's that's Coke talk. You know, like (laughs) when people are the game show personality all the time. Like that, that's, you know, can be partying and like an artificial kind of Anyway, God bless Roddy. That was incredible. I'm glad that we covered it. Yeah. Way to go. And, like, I didn't re- expect to get those feels. Holy shit. I hope you didn't get embarrassed, dear listeners, breaking down in the middle of a grocery mart. <laughs> do you Speaking of Flair and Piper, do you remember or did you see when they were
3: tag team champions in the WWF? <laughs> no yeah they got a little title run right there at the end of piper's last days of wrestling in the wwf it's
2: pretty fun flair at his absolute peak you know 82 when there's like sort of still not a wrinkle yet and his hairs yeah, yeah, yeah. he's still got the perfect 70s hair you know yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's not like it's all downhill but he never looks cooler than he does like you know in 82 with his hair's the longest you know that's right there are i so in the research i saw these clips of flair and piper cutting promos together stuff that i've never seen before right yeah and it's the typical you know quivering shaking trembling with rage you know piper while Flair's putting those you know smooth words and all those accents to it but yeah this promo was more in the context of like then afterwards these two guys we, we you know would just set the town on fire you know that's right oh what about the time piper and flair Participated in a reality TV show where they did the wife swap.
3: Okay, I know about that, but I never saw any of it.
2: Okay, well, that might not be the language, but one guy goes yeah, and, and the lives show's and is
3: kind of called that. Yeah, like yeah. wife swap. It's like <laughs> the shows
2: kind of yeah. called that. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, they're not. I don't think they're trying to insinuate that they're in each other's beds or anything. But uh, yeah, it's the idea that you got to live the other guy's life, like go live in their house with their family and their wife, and and they do it with regular people. But I guess this was like a celebrity version of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I saw a, a minute or two of it. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was like Flair hanging out with Piper's wife and, you know, she just didn't seem to be into it. She's like, Oh God, yeah. what if they drag me into the, the paramount network, which used to be spike
3: TV. They've got that thing where if you ever watch their TV shows and you aren't DVR, DVRing it and able to fast forward through it, like 80% of their commercials are for their own product like they just basically like every commercial is like there's tons of commercials and almost all the commercials are just like their own shows Mm. and so there's one of those versions of that show you're talking about and it's this woman like going showing up in the other person's house and she's like a neat freak and she's scared of cats and she's like oh my god she's going around picking up like you know handkerchief or something that's on the floor or a kleenex and and then this cat jumps up and she's like (laughs) <laughs> like you know, nice. and it's like, and because they repeat these commercials for like a year, it's like right. if you ever watch anything on this, you're like, oh my god, not this again. Jump <laughs> scare, that's right. Okay, that's actually gonna wrap us up this week. Next week, we're gonna get back looking at more stuff that happened in March and April of 1987, trying to get to the Saturday's main event in May. All that fun stuff. We've got a returning Ken Patera, we're gonna find some other good matches, some fun stuff. So we'll hope you have a great week, and I think that's the last thing we have to say. Well, we're out of
2: time anyway, so <laughs> so <over> time. Time.
3: <laughs> They're turning off the lights. That's right.
2: <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. It's like, it's a one, and a two, and a ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> what? What do you mean? I was about to win the belt. <laughs> out of time.
3: Out of time. Okay. See you next week.